Hello and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Christmas specials. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the Isle of Misfit Toys. It's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe? <laughs> I was really wondering how you were going to do the intro for this one, considering we're not on Ethereum. <laughs> yeah, this one was a little... I had to get clever with it. <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, hey, props to you. It, it worked out well. It does kind of play our hand in what this is early on, but like, I feel like, considering that... I'm not sure what we're going to end up naming this episode, but I feel like the descriptor would have been probably enough to include people in that we're doing something a little different. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's the holidays, so we decided to interrupt our normal and regular schedule by uh, talking about cartoons that we have not talked about before. And I don't know about yours, but mine isn't actually gay, so that might be a first for this show. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, mine, mine is, like, explicitly very cis, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, there's... You can extrapolate uh, some of the supporting characters as kind of maybe being queer based on how they act around some of the main cast, cast but I feel like it's like, nah, it's like explicitly like this is a very succinct show, actually. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like you said, yours is from the 70s and mine's from like the mid-90s, so it's yeah. just how it was, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's that's definitely weird, but I don't know, that's... How's stuff going for you this week? I hear it's a lot, yeah? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's been a bit of a rough one uh, at times, uh, mostly because I've been dealing with some fucking Adobe issues at work for the last, like, week and a half, because, like, I don't think I mentioned that, like, my job duties basically changed entirely. Like, I'm no longer really processing the mail. Instead, my new co-worker's been doing that, but, like, I'm, I'm mostly still in the office just to, like, help out in case, like, shit really hits the fan. Because, I mean, like, she's only been there for four weeks now, so it's, like, if we get, like, a crazy amount of mail during the during one day or whatever, I would basically, like, kind of, like, put what I'm doing on hold to, like, help scan them while she gets them, like, labeled and attached to the claims and stuff. Right. So it's really just, it's mostly just for that purpose that I'm not, like, actually working from home. But also, I really wouldn't want to work from home because I don't want to feel like my room is also my work office. I would feel bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my job is basically more like I take all the files in the claim when requested to combine them into one PDF, which is a very slow process because they need to be in chronological order, and if you drag multiples over, it fucks up the order, so you have to drag one at a time, and sometimes these things have been, like, on average, like, around, like, 80 documents, uh, at worst, like, 260 that you do one at a time in chronological order, which sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but basically, the way that I was told to save the documents was to do, like, print to PDF, and that, for the last, like, week or so, was starting to fuck up the overall, like, combined document generation, because it would basically take, at, sometimes upwards of, like, 20 minutes, and then still fail to actually generate the document properly. Like, it would oh, just be corrupted. Yeah. Uh, turns out everybody else on my team, except the person who taught me this process, has just been hitting save as, and it saves in, like, uh, less than a minute, and it's perfectly fine. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> like, fuck, motherfucker. It wasn't Adobe, it wasn't my computer, it wasn't the internet. It was literally just the way I was saving it, because I was told to save it this way and not this other way. <laughs> but everybody else has been doing it just fine with that. And a lot of the ones that I had done and that the person who trained me on this had done are starting to come back to us uh, busted and need to be redone. So I guess I'm like, I'm just going to do the way that works and isn't broken. <laughs> Even though it's not technically the way it was taught, I guess. Well, that is infuriating. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> like, the fact that it was such an easy solution, while being a bit relieving, was also not great. <laughs> it was like, fucking really? It's just something this simple? What the fuck? I was like, <laughs> alright, whatever, at least it's resolved. It's, it's like, 
it, it's mostly the thing with that was really more annoying is while I was dealing with that stuff, like I was still having to basically like answer like kind of the same basic questions again and again for my coworker. She's kind of been talked to by some of like my like coworkers that are like have seniority over me and also like our manager just being like, hey, if you have questions, try to like ask other people in general chat because if somebody's free, they'll answer as opposed to always interrupting Chloe who is basically always busy <laughs> with this stuff. It's like it's like a case of like yeah, if it's something that has to be handled in the office, obviously you have to come to me about it because I'm the only one there besides you. But like. Yeah. Otherwise, ask in general. <laughs> like, don't ask just me all the time. And she seems to be getting better at that. And again, it's only been four weeks. She's still in the learning process, even though it's like the mail process is really not all that complicated. It's just time consuming based on how much mail we get. But yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, mostly just that. Because <laughs> that's really <laughs> been the reason why I've been just exhausted lately. But it's fine. We unfortunately pushed this off to the weekend just because of me just being like, I'm just too fucking shot and my brain is dead. It's all like also, uh, uh, when was it? It was like Wednesday or Thursday. Now I'm actually really forgetting, even though it was only a few days ago. No, no, it was Thursday, right? That I had to drive back to the surgeon's office for her to basically do like the three month checkup of my like scars and the implants and stuff. Just to, just to see that everything was going well, and it has. Like, the scars are pretty faded at this point. They're still visible, but, like, they're definitely not as pronounced as before. But, like, she was, it was mostly just for her to be like, yeah, the implants definitely have settled into place. Fine. It, they look great and everything. All good. Nice. But I did. But that was before work at 8.30. Because <laughs> usually I go in for 9.30. So I was like, yeah, I know I'm going to be late because it's, like, an hour 20 minute drive. So I had to get up, like, two hours earlier to get to that. For all of like 10 minutes for her to basically just look at the scars and poke a prod in my boobs a bit. <laughs> and then drive immediately to work to do a whole day. <laughs> I was there until like 6. <laughs> so it was a long day. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, like even like before, like even if I had actually watched my episode for this, by that point I would have been like, I just can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm not <laughs> in a state to do this. <laughs> so yeah, it's very good that we could wait until Saturday afternoon to do this because Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, yes. I was I was I was pretty much the uh what a week Captain It's Wednesday meme, but for like the last week and a half basically. <laughs> it's been it's been a time. <laughs> but I, I think I'm I think it's starting to get back and being better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I'm still going through the rough patch on my end because uh I got, like, five more assignments due by next Wednesday, which, at the time this goes out, will be in the past, but for the moment, I'm... Is, is that next Wednesday as in, like, this upcoming Wednesday, or, like, the Wednesday after? Uh, yeah, the 14th. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Like, that's that's a lot, even if it was that you still had, like, a week and a half to do that. Yeah. Some of them are pretty easy, so I'm not overly worried, but... It's it's just a lot to deal with. So yeah, like college is just that way at times. <laughs> yeah, and you know it doesn't help that I managed to get completely absorbed, sucked into, obsessed with a new video game. So yeah, you've been talking about Midnight Suns like multiple times a day for like the last two weeks. <laughs> I have put in like sixty hours in the past week on that game. <laughs> It's... Yeah, that probably doesn't help. <laughs> no, no, it definitely does not. I mean, hey, for what it's worth, I mean, the Wii released back when I had started college, like, in my first semester. 
And so, like, I definitely got distracted by Twilight Princess a little bit. But fortunately, it was my first semester when all the classes are, like, pretty basic intro classes that you don't really need to study for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know how to describe it exactly. I just... I never thought that a game like this would catch me as hard as it has. And this isn't like the Hades situation. I actually enjoy this game. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was also very funny seeing you be like, I was free! <laughs> and then they announced Hades too. Fuck! <laughs> I wasn't, I'm not even done with Hades yet. I still haven't seen the end of the story. Fair. But, like, it was very, it was still very funny how you were like, fucking <laughs> God, <laughs> why? Uh, meanwhile, I'm like, yes, give me more Hades. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> I, thought it was, I, I thought it was just going to be DLC when they showed it off, but no, they're just straight up doing a full sequel, which is really cool, because they've never done a sequel before. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, I thought I lost you there for a sec. No, no, still good. But, yeah, um, Midnight Suns is very dangerous to me because it is a card game. And also a superhero game, and also and and, a, a and also effect. like yeah, and also like two thirds of it is like basically the social links from like Persona. <laughs> yeah, I which would is liken still, it mostly is... to the uh, the Mass Effect social system. Yeah, because like, it's, it... it is a lot of like running around your ship and talking to your crew and seeing if they have new stuff right. to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, guess opposed to like just being like getting the text from Ryuji being like, "You want to hang out, sure." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of deal. That's. It's definitely a hybrid of the two, because, like, as, let's say you earn 10 friendship experience with a character, they will text you the next morning for a special hangout, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, again, like, how much, like, in the more recent Persona games, it's like, yeah, you don't just, like, do one hangout and immediately rank up. Like, you need, like, a certain amount of points and stuff. Which, mm -hmm. at least, like, the more, like, recent ones, like, especially ever since they did the, the remake of Persona 4, like, they've had just, like, a full system in of, like, actually letting you know of, like, you feel like your bond will deepen this time, as opposed to, like, not knowing if it's going to actually increase or you're just going to get, like, some points towards it, and it's like, it will happen next time, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is very transparent yeah. about all of that. If you earn 17 friendship experience, it tells you exactly how, why, and what you did to earn it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, Persona does that too, where it's like, it has like little, like, uh, I think it's like a, like a series of like one to three different like little music notes in four and five to show you like how many like friendship points you get towards the next rank up. Mm -hmm. But like also it doesn't like have like, it, it's not like a meter of like get 20 and then the next story thing will happen to advance the social link slash confidant or anything. Ah yes, I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those games are those games are quite something because it's like it's. It, I've been thinking for a while of like getting Persona Four and Five Royal because they put it out on like everything and like even on the Switch now after not for so long after, even after they put Joker in Smash and it's like I never finished that game on PS4 because my PS4 my original PS4 died and I lost my save because it was the only one not backed up to the cloud so I lost sixty fucking hours when I was only halfway through that game. <laughs> But at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, Persona, like, all those games have a very bad queerphobic moment in them, unfortunately. And, like, I, I also don't want to play as a dude in a game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, well, I wouldn't, obviously I would not know what to really name the protagonist, because even if, like, even if I just named the protagonist after me, it's like, they're still going to use the wrong pronouns, and that's bad. <laughs> 
I think there is actually a fan mod in the works to like actually like fully replace the main character with like a woman at least. But it's like oh, a work in progress. Nice, yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna take a while though, cause like, yeah, like that that's a lot of work I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's only rewriting a whole game basically. Yeah, and like change the character model and stuff. <laughs> it's not it's not as simple as Stardew Valley, which obviously doesn't have like voice acting or anything to work around. <laughs> Because I, I honestly don't know how they would do that, because, like, honestly, obviously, they don't have access to, like, the voice actors to pre-record. But I'm sure, like, maybe they could, like, just switch around the audio at times when they would actually use, like, she, her pronouns and just replace the he, him referred to the protagonist or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it might sound weird and a bit choppy, unless they, like, really work at it. But yeah, obviously, still, it's a lot of work compared to, like, Sturdy Valley of just, like, uh, well, it's just basically you can pick either body type and go to, like, either of the saunas and stuff, and characters will use, like, they, them pronouns and refer to you with, like, the MX pro, uh, honorific and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that is a thing that's in Midnight Suns is that they didn't bother to record multiple voice lines, so every player character is non-binary by default. <laughs> well, at least says that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I think I feel like a lot of games mostly do that. Like, like especially more these days too. Like, cause like, there's times where it's like uh. Because, you know, like, Splatoon 3 basically doesn't have, like, gender as a, anymore as a, as a choice. It's, like, just pick your form and everything. And, like, th there's only a few times that characters actually have to refer to you at all outside of just calling you by, like, your designation and all of Legion 3. But, like, there's definitely a few times when they actually refer to both you and, like, another, like, supporting character with they-them pronouns. Because they're just like, yeah, we're just not going to choose that much anymore. Yeah, it happens kind of a lot in Midnight Suns, and I really like it. It's, it's very nice. But... Yeah. <sighs> so it's it's obviously way easier in games that don't have voice acting because like I mean yeah. technically Splatoon has voice acting but it's a it's a gibberish language. <laughs> They're speaking simless but for squids. <laughs> yeah, so this episode is gonna go up. I want to say like two weeks from now. Do you think it's okay for me to spoil the end of the game? Because <laughs> uh, it might still be too early for people, and also like m me personally, I'm kind of also interested in the game, but I okay, would also wait until it's like. Yeah, like, I'm kind of also, like, in the point where I'm like, I would probably wait for, like, a sale, because, like, I, I've been interested in that game back when they first announced that it was basically, like, Avengers XCOM, and it turns out it's really not that, because it's a card game, <laughs> but, like, it still seems like, it, it's, it's funny to see, like, so many reviewers being like, there's barely any game in this game, because you're just hanging out with people talking, and meanwhile, I'm like, that's, that's what I want from games. <laughs> play a lot of Fire Emblem for a reason, and it's to hang out with people and be buds, to go do murder better. <laughs> okay, well then, yeah, yeah. fair. I have yeah. grievances about the ends, but I won't discuss them here. <laughs> okay, yeah, because, like, uh, I mean, like, even back when I played Three Houses, it's like, you can kind of only really do, like, one battle, like, every few sessions you play, because it's like, the battles in that game are also long. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, like, let me let me just, like, hang around the school, be a teacher, and, like, talk to, like, the various people around. And, like, maybe every few, like, days or so, I'll actually do a proper fight, because <laughs> it just takes a while and kind of takes a lot out of you yeah. to be, like, especially being, like, well, all the enemies go at the same time, and your party goes all at the same time, so I need to make sure everybody's properly positioned so nobody fucking gets got. <laughs> especially in that game, because, like, the characters actually matter, as opposed to older Fire Emblems, where they show up, join the group, and then never show up again outside of, like, the social stuff, which is all optional. <laughs> yeah. It, it's real depressing, because, like, 
I definitely saw someone who was like playing a like maximum amount of like bodies run of three houses, and it's like there's definitely cutscenes where, especially in part two, where like the characters would be in there but they're dead, so it's like it's just a wide shot of like just you and like the main character of the route <laughs> and nobody <laughs> else, and it looks so empty and sad, and it's like it, it's funny because like they don't like because in part one of that game, which is the first like twelve chapters, they're all like, you know like. 16 to 18 year olds they're like yeah we're not gonna have them be just fully dead for this part they'll basically just be like ah, i got real hurt bad professor i just can't go on missions but they'll still be in the background for those uh things and then like in the five-year time skip it's like yeah they, they something happens to them during the time skip because <laughs> you got them <laughs> killed in part one so they fully died in part two i guess <laughs> before you showed up again it's real depressing <laughs> <laughs> they entrust you to teach these kids and keep them safe and uh, you can really get a lot of them murdered <laughs> some of them as young as 15 oh no <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> video games turns out the video games where you can just hang out with people and talk to them and be friends are some of the best <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. I really haven't played a whole lot of games, honestly, lately. I've, I've kind of just been, like, I don't know, I guess I'm, like, just, like, trying to build myself back up to trying to finally finish Xenoblade before the new Fire Emblem releases. Because, like, yeah, I, I, I know I'm in, like, near the end of that, because I'm near the end of Chapter 5 of 7. And I'm pretty sure Chapter 7 is basically just, like, the final dungeon and, like, all the optional stuff near the end of the game you can do. You know, very, like, just 3 or 4 of a Final Fantasy kind of situation. But like it's it's just that it's like that's a long game too. <laughs> it's, it's like it's definitely one of those kind of games where it's like it's something that I can't really just like sit down and focus on as much. But I really feel like I probably should around like the three day weekends that I have for Christmas and New Year's from my job and everything, just to be like I just need to sit here and just actually finish this because I just want to finish it. <laughs> yeah, that's. Video games is weird and takes up too much time, but it's hard not to love them. Is the thing? <laughs> yeah, it's like even with all the problems in the game industry, it's still a case of like, yeah, but some games are just like really good. Yeah. Turn, turns out, again, all you really need to do is have uh, a, a little cat girl and a little bird girl and a really strong girl for Big Hammer, and I'm like, yes, please give me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, Midnight Suns might not be the game for you, then. There's no hammer uh, people. Oh, no. Uh, no. Well, I mean, that's why everybody likes Tinkaton a lot, right? Because <laughs> Tinkaton <laughs> is small and has big hammer, too. Just like Senna. <laughs> I definitely like all the people drawing fan art of, like, Senna and Tinkaton together, both having big hammers, because that's just their <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Now that I think about it, I don't know what's been up with me for the past two weeks, because I just really got on Pokemon and just completed that whole thing and then midnight suns it's like almost like i'm procrastinating or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's almost like you're putting you off school work because it's near the end of the semester and you don't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I i'm kind of just at the point with pokemon where i feel like i'm just waiting till they do like the big update in the spring to add like home uh, to it and everything because my hope is that by that point that's probably also going to be one day you like will fix some of the performance issues and some of the bugs i would hope because <laughs> like 
it's just like, yeah, I definitely noticed the game does not run that great. And I know some people are like can look past that and everything, but it's like it's just like a case of like you play that game like I play that game for like an hour and it's like this game is already starting to just chug with all like the chunks it's loaded and everything, so it just needs to be restarted and stuff to clear that stuff from the memory and it's like it's I don't know. I'm also I guess I'm just also not as big a fan of their world design for the open world because it's like you know, so much of it they said that you could go anywhere and do whatever and they tell you that in game two of like go find out what you want to do in the treasure hunt and then it's like you still have to kind of go on a more or less linear path of like here's the order for the gym leaders based on level and you still need to do like the missions with arvin to get more traversal options for your dragon motorcycle <laughs> so yeah it's like i I, I hope that they, like, really look at that and, like, try to, like, adjust it for when they do Gen 10, because assuming that would also be open world, it's, like, I kind of want them to go and, like, the... It's kind of hard to think about with that, because it's, like, on the opposite end, it's, like, you kind of get, like, I guess, Gen 8, which had, like, very linear and, like, no side areas and no traversal options besides <laughs> the, getting the floaties for the bike, because, <laughs> like, that game had no interaction with the world, really. <laughs> And also didn't want you to really engage with anything and just go follow, just go do the gyms. Don't pay attention to everything else. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know with that because like I I don't know how they would be able to do that. Of like, would they just have to take like the Breath of the Wild option of like just give you all of the mover and the maneuverability and like traversal options from the word go and just really actually let you go do whatever in any order and like scale it based on what you do? Because like. I would hope that they get there with that, because that's kind of more what I was hoping that this would game would be, and it kind of wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's, like, that is certainly a fair thing to be concerned about, but it doesn't, like, you say you have to do it in a linear path, and that is true to a degree, but not really. You can just kind of do whatever. I did all my titans first and then the gems, so... Yeah, but, like, you're going to be, like, messy over level doing that. Because, <laughs> like, the last of the Titans is, like, level, like, like mid-40s or something, right? Uh, mid-50s, I believe. Yeah, and, like, the, the first gym is, like, level 14. <laughs> so it's, like, unless you're, like, choosing to, like, like put away, like, your over-leveled Pokemon at that point to use lower-level ones, since, like, the gyms are just a cakewalk at that point. Which I guess, I get, it's always kind of been the thing, because, like, you could always just over-level and steamroll the gems regardless of typing and stuff in the past, but it's like, that's not as fun, I find. Like, it's a little bit more interesting when it's actually, like, you have, like, closer levels to them, so this way it's actually, like, something you need to think about. I, I don't know. To some degree, yeah, but also, like, the first two gyms, if you're following this linear path you're talking about, are bug and grass. So yeah. if you have the fire starter, it's not a thing anyway. Yeah, also that, because, like, I mean, geez, no matter what I did, just having, uh, I always forget Frey Coco's first evolution's name, but, like, the, the fucking grass guy with the pseudo-udo that becomes a grass type definitely would never use rock throw on me. And it's like, my guy, I have a fire type out here. Use rock throw. And it's like, no, trailblazer. And it's like, okay, just hand me the win, I guess. <laughs> like, I, I kind of feel like the, uh, I guess it's like really only like the third gym is the one that like really stands out in terms of like the terror Pokemon actually being a huge threat in a way, because it's like, it's the only one that like, the type it changes to is really complemented by its ability because it's immune to ground attacks, but like, 
All the other ones are just like, here's like a Teddy Ursa that becomes a bug. And it's like, I feel like it would have been more interesting if it's like, here's a bug type for the bug gym leader, but they change it to something that like bug would normally be weak to, and <laughs> instead is like strong against. So like, uh, cause, like bug is usually weak to like fire or something. Like if they change it to like water or something and it's like, oh fuck, <laughs> now I need to actually <laughs> rethink this, which... Again, like, Yono seems to be the only one that really does that, because obviously her Miss Megius becomes immune to ground. <laughs> very, very funny uh, watching some of the Hololive people playing that game, especially uh, Callie doing her Nuzlocke and immediately trying to do a ground attack on it and getting her, like, Sandy Gas immediately one-shot, because it's like, yep, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's very funny, because every time that she, like, is fighting a gym leader, she never stops to really think about the fact that they're going to turn into the type that the gym leader's theme is. <laughs> it's like, Callie, you are, like, five or six gyms in. Have you not thought about this yet? <laughs> yeah, she lost you back one to the to the ghost gym as a result. <laughs> yep. Well, to be fair, that's also because that's a double battle and they can just gang up on the same Pokemon, but still. <laughs> I really liked the ghost gym, but also I wish it was more of a challenge. Um, what I mean when I say that is that because I use an all-ghost type team, it should be a pretty hard fight for me, since I also have all the same weaknesses they do. Yeah, but, but you also have it, all the same strengths. But yeah, it super, super wasn't. Effective. They just were not using any kind of type effective attacks or any kind of strategy. Yeah, like, that. that's really, again, like, the biggest problem I kind of have with modern Pokemon. Because, like, especially if you, like, look up the movesets for, like, even, like, late game people. Like, even, like, some of the Elite Four members, they only have, like, three moves on their Pokemon. Like, even, like, it's, like, it's not until, like, mostly, like, endgame and, like, against, like, the champion and the final fight with Nimona where they actually have, like, four moves on their Pokemon. It's, like, it, it, I get that Pokemon is a kid game and it's designed around that to, like, help little kids be able to actually, like, play the games. But also, like, they're not difficult, really, like, much at all for the most part. <laughs> like, again, like, you can use whatever and basically just be able to power through it because like again like you have way more healing items than the enemy does ever so it's like you can just brute force it if you need to at the worst so it's like <laughs> it's just so weird to me that it's like yeah you think about that but also you remember like back in like the older games when they actually did have a full move pool their move pools just also fucking sucked <laughs> is the thing because the move pools back then were also just in general bad <laughs> like it's like oh this gyarados has all special attacks because uh, before gen 4 gyarados fucking sucked <laughs> but then some people stood by gyarados in gen 3 just based on using like earthquake and stuff but it's like yeah but this water type can't use a water attack <laughs> or a nice attack <laughs> yep uh, thank god for physical special split back then <laughs> something we take for granted and it's like it still took like the first like I guess dec 11 years if you go based on the Japanese release, I think. Or I guess like closer to a decade based on like, I think Diamond Pro released in 2006 in Japan and 2007 in America, if I'm remembering correctly. But it's like, for that first decade, it's like, yep, every fire attack is special. Uh, good luck with like Pokemon that have low special attack and high attack. Flareon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even then, Flareon did not get Flare Blitz for so long. It's so weird. They don't like Flareon for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Po Pokemon, it's it's always just kind of been its weird own thing. And, like, again, I get that it's also, like, it's just me getting older. But it's, like, 
I still I still really want to like those games. It's just that like it's just been kind of just losing me a bit. Like again, I still want to go back to Scarlet and Violet at the time once they like kind of patch out some of the stuff because it's like it's everybody agrees that those games definitely need way more time and they just don't get that because Nintendo says not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it surely is. You know, give your team time you need to do the work they want to do, so. Yeah. It, it's, it really just sucks that they're like, we need to put out Pokemon every fall. And it's like, you don't have to, necessarily. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it's like you, see, like, you see, like, everybody, like, freaking the fuck out over the fact they're bringing back Armored Core after, like, 11 years. It's like... Yeah, I've never played an Armored Core game, and I don't know if they're for me, but I'm still very curious about that game, and probably will get Armored Core 6, just because it's from FromSoft. So it's like, even if it's not just, like, Mech Souls, I also don't think I would want Dark Souls with Mechs. <laughs> but, like, I'm still curious about that in general, but it's like, they actually have taken time, but also, I mean, to be fair, they also were very distracted with doing all their Souls games for, like, the last, like, 12 years or so. <laughs> I would just like to say that Dark Souls with mechs sounds truly miserable. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, these mechs don't seem, like, all stompy. Like, I think they were in, like, the older Armored Core games, but that was also, like, just a limitation of, like, the PS1 and PS2. Because, like, in the more recent ones, like, 4 and 5 in particular, the mechs are, like, very agile and, like, fly all over the place. Well, I guess... <laughs> I mean, you could you could definitely see where they would be like, oh, you just have like fuel instead of stamina, and your fuel has to like regenerate because your mech just has like a source that can regenerate but needs time. So it's like you could see them like basically do that of like, yeah, like we we can figure out a way to make this just be like Dark Souls but mechs, <laughs> but also give like a lot of like the traversal options more or less of a uh, like of Sekiro. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh they seem to have said at least a few things about that game because it seems like they like their Steam page says it's an action game with like stages is the word they use so it's like people think it might be like similar to like how uh the Neo games have like stages while still mostly being like Soulsy games <laughs> so yeah it might just be loaded to a zone and you go through it and they said that like there's reasons to replay the stages so it might not be like as Dark Souls like level design, but it might still be something similar. But who knows? It might it might just it might, it might not be Souls at all. Who knows? <laughs> I just I don't know. I kind of hate the the that there will be reasons to replay levels because what that tells me is that uh, there's collectibles or whatever, and they want you to grind for them. I think it's more like because uh, like the older uh, Armored Core games in particular, but like you were taking missions that, like, would give you, like, different parts for your mech customization. So I think it's more like if you take, like, higher-level challenges in the zones, like, you would get better, like, items and stuff for mech customization. But again, like, we don't we don't know if that's how they will handle this new one or if it's going to just straight up be, like, oh, it's just, like, it's the older games. You're just dumpy mech, and you can, like, still do, like, contracts, which are basically the stages and stuff, and not do, like, Dark Souls stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that game is, like... It's it's from what people have heard, it seems like that game has actually been in like work for a while. Like it's apparently leaks about it started happening like eighteen months ago of them bringing back Armored Core. Goodness. And like yeah, but like nobody's really sure exactly what it is because I mean, who knows? They only showed off a CGI trailer like most of the game awards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I tell myself every year I'm not gonna watch the fucking Keeleys suck off the AAA game industry, and then I still put it on. <laughs> I don't know to be, why. To be, I mean, to be fair, I was watching it through Steam, and the chances of like getting a Steam Deck <laughs> by like because they were giving those out every minute. <laughs> but yeah, they definitely didn't stick by what they said of like it's gonna be much shorter this year, and it's like because yeah, no, they definitely still waste a lot of time, and that thing still ended up being like close to four hours. <laughs> like you need to see Jeff Keighley panicking and being like we're losing so much money on Steam decks and, and also having a Nazi just get up on stage <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> uh, also gotta say the animal bit was funny but also animals should never say that he likes that animals should never say Millennia the name of like the, the most infamous boss from Elden Ring I find <laughs> <laughs> Very funny that he called like Elden Ring tarnished, <laughs> just being like, "Oh, what game do you like?" Animal tarnished, <laughs> like, and also like saying that he wanted to like start a game called Animal Crossing. It's like I'm pretty sure that take it already. You probably won't get away with that. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely not as uh, good as the the Bunsen and Beaker uh, appearance the year when Untitled Goose Game came out because the goose showed up also as a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> like, the straight-up Muppet version of the Untitled Goose just, uh, crashing the party. <laughs> well, that doesn't yeah, sound fun yeah. for anyone, goodness. Oh, uh, I mean, it was mostly just crashing them, like, doing one of the, uh, award announcements. Like, it was just, like, there. It's just basically just, like, a sock puppet goose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, it's... Obviously, yeah, again, that, that, that award show doesn't fucking matter. Because <laughs> it's just a, it's just a four-hour-long commercial. <laughs> and, they're gonna just give all the awards they want to all the AAA games and just fuck over Xenoblade the entire time. Again, I know Xenoblade's a AAA game, but it's like, Jesus Christ, you... Again, like, I saw somebody compare it to, like, they ordered, like, custom-made flutes to give the Xenoblade 3 soundtrack its own original flair, and, like, Elden Ring also, like, tells, like, stories of, like, the bosses and everything through the music because there's no text available. And then they just give it to God of War anyway. It's just fucking generic Nordic stuff. Just like the original, the previous one was. It's like, yeah, you definitely are just giving as many awards as you can at that game in particular. Because it basically won every category it was in besides Game of the Year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The one chance Xenoblade 3 had to actually win something, and they just overlooked the fact that they made custom flutes to make that soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. But again, those awards don't fucking matter. Xenoblade should have won everything anyway, because <laughs> Xenoblade's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least, at least Cat Game won something. I don't remember what. <laughs> <laughs> Cat Game won one thing, and that was it. <laughs> I still haven't actually finished Stray. <laughs> I like that game, but I also haven't finished it, even though it's like eight hours long. <laughs> I have not played it, which I guess maybe I should, but... It, it'll probably, it'll most likely be on sale soon, I imagine, considering they always do sales around the holidays. Yeah, that makes sense. We shall see... I guess, speaking of the holidays, though, uh, it's it's been about half an hour. Are you ready to get into our Weird and Wild special? <laughs> yeah, we probably should at this point. <laughs> I complained enough about Xenoblade getting shafted multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh... well, um, I 
mentioned it at the top, but since we are doing uh, holiday cartoons this month, we didn't really have the option to do the shows that we are normally covering. So instead what we did is we each picked a holiday special from some cartoon or the other and brought it to the table. And neither of us knows what the other picked. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We at least confirmed that we wouldn't have, obviously, the same thing, considering that our uh, shows were from very different time periods. Yeah, yeah. But we don't know. (laughs) We checked our years against each other to see if we needed to do any more digging, and no, they're about... 15 years apart, so... (laughs) (laughs) Ah, So my episode for today is... Raggedy Ann and Andy in The Great Santa Claus Caper. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you, like, you told... You gave me a hint saying that this is something you... Okay, I was actually about to look it up myself. You just sent me a link. Like, I like that you were like, yeah, this is something that, like, my parents had on VHS. And I was like, what could it possibly be from the 70s? Uh, yeah, um, if you're not familiar, Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy are ragdoll characters from the 1940s. Um, they're essentially dolls that were made out of trash that children like. <laughs> I, I like how I found the Wikipedia page for this, and the synopsis is like three paragraphs, and that's being generous to two of these paragraphs, because they're like two sentences. <laughs> I mean, I could give them my notes, it's more than... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so this is a 1978 cartoon uh, written and directed by Chuck Jones. Those of you who are into animation may be very familiar with him as he is one of the all-time greats of animation. Uh, he was behind a lot of the early Warner Brothers stuff and is famous for writing classic so, Bugs Bunny. Sorry, I gotta ask here real quick. How, I, I, I realize that this is their dog because I don't think I've ever watched any of this and had to, had to look it up to see that this is their dog in this picture. Why does he look like Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank? <laughs> what, Raggedy Arthur? Yeah. He's got, like, the fucking goggles on. He has, like, the same, like, fur tone as Ratchet. Oh, okay. No, that's... Yeah. We'll get to that. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> no, that's that's not Raggedy Arthur at all. That's the little guy in the bottom left. Oh, okay. I got you. Then who's Ratchet in this? <laughs> Oh, is, oh, this is, uh, okay, I see. This is, like, the antagonist of it, I guess. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, uh, okay. we open with a shot panning across a winter landscape. This is very popular in old cartoons because it fills time and landscapes are easy to animate, so... Yep, that's also yeah. how mine opens. There's, like, a whole, like, minute of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have quite a minute. It's about 15 seconds of just panning across the winter landscape. And then a huge rocket sled zooms by, and then we get about another 30 seconds of landscape panning, but this time with a rocket sled on it. And <laughs> this, uh, it, it's like a jet nose, which is attached, attached to a big box, which is on skis with a jet engine on the back, driven by a wolf in an aviator cap, who stops time briefly to introduce himself. Uh, this is Alexander Graham Wolf, who definitely isn't a Wile E. Coyote knockoff. That would be ridiculous. Sorry, I, I need I need to ask: Is it like he actually has advice that stops time, or is it like a is it like very much a like, hey, that this that's me? You're probably wondering how I got in this situation, kind of like freeze frame. Uh, well, like the the cartoon just stops, and everything his jet rocket stops moving and all, so he doesn't have a device or anything. He just turns okay. to the audience and introduces himself. Yeah, he just has time stop and has his like uh, D four plus one rounds to give just the narration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has this monologue about how he's uh 
inefficiency expert who works for the Acme Corporation. Again, not a Wiley Coyote knockoff. Shut up. And... <laughs> I like how you specified that in the well. The very first, the very first like sentence in this Wikipedia synopsis says, "Inventor and inefficiently expert Alexander Graham Wolf, who looks and sounds like Wiley Coyote." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. I don't know how to quantify that exactly, because it's not like Wiley Coyote has more than one episode in which he talks, so... <laughs> does Wiley Coyote ever talk? Yeah, he sure like does. Wait, but then he mostly communicates just by holding up signs of, like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's an episode in which he turns to the audience and starts talking about <laughs> who he oh, okay. is and so, why he's doing this. Right, so, so very much like the Tom and Jerry movie when they both talk, and they're like, you can talk, and it's like, yeah, I never talked to you, fucker, because you're an asshole. That's why I never spoke before. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much, like, no, except it's exactly just a regular just, episode. That is, no, it's like, no, that's exactly, that's only because they have a 90-minute-long movie, and they can't have the characters, like, the main two characters not talk at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just for that purpose. But yeah, so his his job, essentially, is that he goes to businesses and removes all the efficiency to make them better businesses. And his next target is Santa, because you see, Santa's factory is just ridiculously inefficient on account of how they don't charge anything for their products. So he is here I mean, to yeah, fix that with his new invention, Gloopstick. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, Gloopstick. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't tell us what it is, though, just that it's the best invention since the wheel. And I, I don't know how to describe the way he talks exactly. It's not a British accent, but it's almost a British accent. It's it's like how a fancy rich person from the 1940s would talk to sound more English, if that makes sense. Overall, it's very strange, and I'm probably going to put an audio clip of him in the episode if I remember to do that, because, like, <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's too weird. <laughs> oh, oh! How do you do? Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Wolf. Alexander Graham Wolf. I am an inefficiency expert. Licensed to kill inefficiency whenever and wherever I find it. And my next client, although he doesn't know it yet, will be good old Santa Claus. I'm now looking up on my uh, totally legal site that I use to watch stuff to see if this is even up, because I'm curious to know. Um, uh, I guess for this, this would technically count as a movie, right? Yeah, this isn't part of an animated series, or at yeah. least it wasn't when it was made. It just, um, it was a standalone, so. Oh, yeah, nope, I'm seeing multiple Raggedy Ann and Andy uh, specials, and this one's up there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Is that so, just the whole episode that you just linked me to on YouTube? Yep, sure is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess nobody cares about copyrighted Raggedy Ann and Andy in the, in the modern day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he rockets off across the landscape, and it turns out that this monologue was all in-universe because a reindeer just pops out from behind a tree and heard everything and is very worried about it. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm, like, I thought that it was, like, bad with me, like making a 1996 uh, cartoon be full screen on my computer. This looks worse. Ah. <laughs> to be, again, to be fair, this is like 20 years before, but still. <laughs> uh, the, the quality of the visuals. Yeah, this, uh, this is Comet the Reindeer, one of the famous ones. But uh, her name won't be revealed for a little while. She's just going to stand around and talk for a bit first. Um, she's... I guess just hanging out in the winter landscape for some reason and not at Santa's workshop, even though Christmas is today. And so, 
Because she overheard this monologue that he gave to the audience, she is extremely nervous about what this vulture capitalist guy might be doing to ruin Christmas with his gloop stick, whatever it is. So since she's so concerned that he's going to ruin Christmas somehow, she decides to leave the North Pole to get help. And decides that since she would have to fly whoever she's getting back by herself, they have to be someone who is, quote, very, very light and can't freeze. Not super sure why these are the criteria she's decided on, but, uh... Especially because, like, she and her team pull the weight of presents for every child in the world at relativistic speeds later tonight, but that's... it doesn't matter. <laughs> um... So using these two criteria, she comes up with the only people she knows who are very, very light and can't freeze, and these are Raggedy Ann and Andy. So I'm going to talk about this a lot. It's weird. They are dolls in this cartoon. I want to be very clear about that. They're dolls in real life, and they're dolls in the cartoon. But mm -hmm. they are also sentient and live by themselves in what appears to be a human-sized house. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like uh, just like the horrors of like the recent Dimension 20 series about uh, inanimate toys and stuff being brought to life against their will. <laughs> yeah. If you ha if, for anybody <laughs> listening, if you haven't watched any of Dimension 20, uh, especially Never After, you should probably watch that because, uh, hey, if you want to hear like really fucked up ter versions of fairy tales, which I know they're very fucked up versions, <laughs> but if you want to hear them done via Brendan Lee Mulligan, go watch that. It's horrifying. <laughs> they have so many content warnings with timestamps in each of those episodes it's kind of great <laughs> yeah so like it's not clear whether there are humans who live here and they're just these two are just their toys or if it's their house i i have no idea but they have their own beds which they sleep in they're like doll-sized twin beds that are directly next to each other the way all siblings sleep obviously and <laughs> yeah um also, uh, Raggedy Arthur is here, everyone's favorite puppy. Uh, Anne kind of wakes up in the middle of the night, and she freaks out because there's a shadow on the floor of some kind of horrible creature, so she wakes Andy in her panic. But actually, this is just Comet, whose shadow is turned into a scary thing on the floor. Anne saw the shadow and freaked out big time because we, I guess, had to establish that girls are afraid of things? I don't know. Um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, Andy sees a reindeer in the window and immediately recognizes Comet as Santa's fifth reindeer, which I guess does make sense because she said earlier that she knows them, but it does make Anne's panic attack a little weirder if they know who she is. Um, so I need to ask real quick here, how do they know that Comet is specifically the fifth reindeer? Because like, when you think about like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer song, Comet is the first reindeer listed. Yeah, she sure is. <laughs> I was just thinking of it just being like, I was trying to do it in my head of like, where is Comet in that? And it's like, no, Comet, is very, it's, Comet is the first. <laughs> yeah. So like, how is it that they're like, oh, Comet's the fifth? Like, it, it, is Comet, does Comet get first billing in the song, but in the years since Comet gets demoted to be like, <laughs> like fifth in line in the succession, I guess? <laughs> Heck if I know. To the throne of Santa Claus? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, no, that doesn't, that's not how that works. We all know that the, the world of Santa gets passed off to whoever murders Santa. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Because it's a fucking curse. <laughs> uh, you, you have to, you kill him, and then you're like, you become part of the ship, part of the crew, like Davy Jones. Ha. Huh. Well, I don't know, to be oh. fair, I don't actually know if that's like the Davy Jones story overall. I just know that's from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not as horrible as it could be all you have to do is not get married for a year and then you get uncursed so <laughs> i guess but like i feel like i mean from what i'm remembering of that second movie isn't the implication that like if he doesn't get married within the first year then like 
the Santa Claus curse breaks entirely and there will never be a Santa ever again? No, not at all. The, uh, the, the, the Council of the Holidays are just upset because he's the best Santa they've ever had and they don't want to lose him. Your standards are pretty low, guys, if you're thinking that Tim <laughs> Allen is the best Santa you've ever had. <laughs> yeah, especially because he's only had one Christmas so far. <laughs> yeah, also that. And then he kind of <laughs> fucked it up because he got thrown in jail. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, there's several years between these first two movies because uh, his kid is in high school in the second one. Oh, right, right, he is. So I guess he has, like, what, like, for the first, like, five years or so? Yeah, just Before he has to get married? Something like that. <laughs> right, because I, I totally forgot that his kid is, like, a teenage asshole in the second one. <laughs> he's like, my dad, my biological my dad fucking sucks. He's off in the North Pole having the best time of his life, and I'm just a teenager here. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so, so Raggedy uh, Andy goes over, and he opens the window to let Comet in. And uh, when she comes in through the window, we learn that she is... Like, she's deer-sized, right? But she is mm -hmm. scaled to a doll, not a human. So she's bigger than them, but she is much smaller than a human would be. It's... I don't know why this is the case. It's very weird. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like those uh, miniature ponies or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like only a small-sized character can ride this version of uh, Comet, so I guess the raggedies are perfectly fine for it. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is why she was so upset about how light they had to be earlier. <laughs> but, um, yeah... So she just comes in through the window without explaining anything and picks them up and flies them away. <laughs> and it's it's not until they're like airborne and on their way to the North Pole that she explains that she needs them to save Santa. <laughs> yeah, you probably want to explain that when you burst into their home, first of all, before anything else. It's like, like, yeah, I, I'm again thinking you said Dimension 20 where it's like Kagar says like, Santa Claus is real and he is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Or he's fucking dead, I think, is how he phrases it. <laughs> like, yeah. you probably want to, like, lead off to, like, why we have to go investigate something or handle something. And also, why you need these two children dolls. And their dog doll. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the dog comes along anyway. The dog is the animal companion. Of course he's coming along. <laughs> he doesn't even really get a choice. He has to follow the bonus action of one of them. Which one of these two is the ranger, actually? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Raggedy Arthur, his tail is like a loop of yarn. It's just kind of extends from his bottom and uh he doesn't get to ride uh comet the reindeer she just kind of hooks his tail on one of her antlers as she's scooping them up <laughs> so she's just got a dog dangling off her head the whole flight back to the north pole <laughs> god re remember how just like fucked cartoons when we were kids were <laughs> i know right <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I bring this, like, it's weird because, like, the episode that I'm going to cover once we're done with yours is something I've watched a lot over the years, and it's only looking at it, like, as a 30, almost 35-year-old adult being like, yo, a lot of people in this show actually fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. and, like, to be fair, none of them are actually the main character. The main character is Fears of Driven Snow, basically, but it's like, there's just so many people in this, like, Christmas special that just suck. <laughs> and, like, again, like, it's a lot of stuff that, like, would not pass in the modern day of, like, these kids would not be allowed in this place. <laughs> yeah, um... So we get a shot of Comet, and she's flying pretty low over the trees, and she apologizes for not being able to fly any higher, but with three dolls as passengers, she is overburdened. So again, I don't know how she pulls the sleigh. Um, <laughs> and just says that she didn't know reindeer could fly, which opens a lot of questions about their relationship if they knew each other already. But then... and, and also, just in general, like... Everybody growing up is told that Santa goes around with eight flying reindeer to pull the sleigh. 
Like, well, it's, like it's about the, to get unless, even weirder, believe me. <laughs> like, unless the Raggedies have only been in existence for, like, weeks or something. Because, like, honestly, I don't know, like, I don't know the origin story of the Raggedies, obviously. Because it's, like, I don't think they have one necessarily of, like, how these dolls came to life or anything. Uh, do they do they live in the same apocalyptic world that nine takes place in? <laughs> are these uh, are these ten and eleven that somehow got created later on? <laughs> uh, heck, if I know. Um, God, nobody thought about the movie Nine since it released on September 9th, nineteen uh, two thousand nine. I remember that specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, I thought that movie was a shit when they showed off the trailers, and then they released, and it's like, oh, this movie actually kind of sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I don't actually know a lot about these two. Um, I mean, I know they were created in the 1940s as, like, characters in children's books. Uh, like, illustrated kids' books. But I, yeah, I haven't like, actually read any of those books, so I don't know if there's a reason they're alive. Yeah, I, I'd imagine that, like, these characters basically were created, like, fairly similar to, like, the Bernstein, or Bernstein, however you want to say it, Bears, probably, where it's, like, they started out as books and then they just got, like, TV specials. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were it's, books, it's a, and then also, they got adapted into dolls because they were like, yeah. The first be... Raggedy Andy story was created in the 1915. So, wait, did you say 1915? Yes. Fucking Christ! <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Raggedy Andy is a 107 year old doll child. Well, never no, ages. no. <laughs> Raggedy Ann came around in 1915. Raggedy Andy, not until 1920. Oh, okay. But still. <laughs> okay, 107 and 102. Yes. Yeah, she's the older sister. Horrifying. <laughs> not that it matters at that age. This is exactly why in our session zero for Vampire the Masquerade, we all said immediately, we don't want to deal with, like, children vampires, because that's horrifying. <laughs> like, aside from the fact that children obviously don't have, like, their morals all established, it's also, we don't want to have the implication that a child died and got brought back as a vampire. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, and there was a little bit of, like, the 1915s version of the anti-vax movement did try to claim raggedy ann as a mascot but that was oh like... right i think i think i remember that now that you say that <laughs> yeah that that Jeez. was very much rebuffed by the creator so while while they tried to get her on board uh ann is at the very least she believes in science so there you go <laughs> yeah it, it's kind of like a lot of stuff that like i didn't know about like the uh the whole like uh mac tonight thing where he was barely being like taken by a bunch of like shitty like all right fascists in like the 90s or whatever and using yeah. him as an icon it's like jesus <laughs> christ i only learned about that because of uh the kind of like defunct land youtube series called uh tomorrowland I, I, like something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. it's like yeah it, it's pretty similar to the fuck land where it just talks about like mostly like a lot of like older stuff like the history of like chain restaurants and stuff but also sometimes, like, talking about, like, amusement park stuff and, as well. But, like, yeah, I definitely heard that about the, the shitty history of Mac Tonight, where it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> people, will, people will basically just take whatever and pervert it to suit their needs, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's... Because the thing is, is that the, uh, the writer of these books, the person who created the doll, uh, his daughter died after being vaccinated. And... Oof. While it probably was not related to the actual vaccination, the anti-vaxxers said, oh, well, this doll, clearly, this yeah. is a tribute to his daughter. We should use that as our mascot, so. Ugh. Yeah. It's Yeesh. gross. Yep. 
But the good news is uh, Raggedy Ann survived, and uh, because she's a believer in science, she doesn't think reindeer can fly, even though she's a talking <laughs> doll. So, <laughs> And is on a reindeer that's only flying at the moment. <laughs> yes. Um, so when she... She says she didn't know that reindeer can fly, and then Comet comes back at her with, I didn't know that ragdolls could talk. Again, you're supposed to know each other. <laughs> yeah. But Andy basically explains that they work on Toy Story rules. They can't move or talk while there are people around. And Comet says, yeah, it's the same for reindeer and flying. That's why everyone has to be asleep for Santa to deliver toys and why we live at the North Pole, because there's nobody there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to Santa's workshop, where elves who are even smaller than the dolls are are working at the factory. And by working at the factory, I mean, like, there's a conveyor belt with giant empty tubes, and they're, like, rolling down the belt as an elf pulls a lever and just drops a comically large amount of toys in those tubes. Like, the, the tube will be labeled bikes, and he'll pull the lever and it'll drop 60 bikes into the tube. No <laughs> no safety, no nothing. They're just crushing the toys at the bottom completely. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're dead. <laughs> One of them is definitely China dolls that they are just dropping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things you don't think of as a kid, of, like, how Santa's able to make, like, specific stuff. Like, how did Santa make a Nintendo 64? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, he pulled the lever, and it fell out of this funnel and smashed into the ground. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're interrupted in their work on the assembly line by Santa, who sends them to their nap. Uh, because I guess what we find out here is that elves hibernate, because they're just going to be asleep until next Christmas. So... <laughs> This is... I don't like it. Yeah, I, I don't I ha- like it at I all. I have to ask here, because of that, how did they produce like these like 60 bikes that come out of a funnel, basically, if they sleep for the entire rest of the year? <laughs> I think them pulling the lever magically creates the bikes that then drop into the tube. Oh, okay, so they have a 70s version of a 3D printer that just has yes. infinite... Yeah, exactly. That has infinite... Uh, Whatever the stuff you put into a 3D printer is, I actually don't know, but it's like, it's just... It's just uh, print media. Yeah, it's just constantly replaced because magic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, um, so after having destroyed a bunch of these toys and then going to sleep, uh, Santa also goes to take a nap because he's got to fly all around the world today and he wants to be rested for that. I can respect this, at least. Um thing is, though, while Santa and all the elves are asleep, Wolf arrives at the North Pole, and... In this cartoon, I don't really know how to describe it exactly. The North Pole is kind of like a crater at the top of the world. The people who get to the North Pole are on a huge ledge, and then you have to drop down like oh, 200 oh, okay. feet to get so, to the workshop. So Santa is Sephiroth. <laughs> He's in the northern crater. He's got all white hair. And uh, Santa definitely has a giant sword. <laughs> oh yeah, certainly. At the very least, he can 3D print one. It just has to pull the lever. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, uh, Wolf just, like, catapults his jet ski thing off the edge of this cliff and has, like, four parachutes that drop it down slowly. And they are all branded with his Gloopstick Corporation. And, uh, yeah, he just sort of turns off the engines and quietly pushes his sled into the workshop so it'll be a surprise to Santa when he wakes up. Because Santa's just laying by the most obvious window in the village so everyone can see that he's asleep. Um... (laughs) The thing is, it is now time for the world's first gloopstick-coated Christmas, and he pushes a button in his rocket sled, which just, like, unfolds in an elaborate and extended machine sequence like you get in old cartoons to reveal that this is also the gloopstick machine. 
It's big. It's got a, like a conveyor belt sticking out the top, uh, sort of a smokestack in the top of it. Makes a lot of bangs and whistles, and I don't know why it didn't wake Santa up, but whatever. Um, it's got sort of a claw machine arm on the top of it, and a like a uh, I don't even know how to describe this. Just a panel that is covered with switches, each of which represents a specific toy. And when you pull the switch, the claw machine arm goes and grabs one of those toys. So it is a good thing that uh, Alexandra Wolf had an exact inventory of everything Santa was making, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, his job uh, so... would have been way worse if he waited like another like decade or so, because then he would have had to be like, oh shit, I gotta keep a track record of all the, like, the NES and Atari games. <laughs> I mean, this is 78, so, like, we're already in G.I. Joe territory. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, um, if we watch him use this pincer to grab a doll out of one of these 30-foot cylinders where the doll was almost certainly destroyed, and just sort of drop it horrifically into a funnel at the top of the machine. There's a lot of dropping toys going on in this. And after a few moments, there's the machine is banging and clanking and puffing and huffing, you know, like machines do. Mm -hmm. And then the, out on the conveyor belt, uh, that same doll, but just encased in a solid block of glue stick emerges. It is basically epoxy that solidifies into a clear cube, so you can see the doll at the center. This is his Christmas plan. Um, well, yeah, yeah he, the machine he, just... He's just a collector. He has to make sure that the value of these toys doesn't uh, depreciate over time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Yeah, we just get a sequence of the machine continuing to do that, sealing out teddy bears and bicycles into cubes of gloop stick, and sometimes Christmas trees, because there's like a bunch of undecorated trees here in the workshop, and when the machine grabs one of them, it gets decorated with tinsel and ornaments, and then it's not a cube, it's like a, a form-fitting cone that goes over the top of the tree, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, elsewhere... We get Comet, who's still flying to the North Pole very slowly, just talking about how much she hopes they can save Christmas, and Andy finally asks why it actually needs saving, because she has not told them yet. <laughs> and she explains that they just kind of need to save it from the Big Bad Wolf, who is apparently Alexander. Uh, I guess they're the same guy. This is the first reference we've got to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, as in Three Little Pigs, Wolf? Yeah, yeah, Andy's next line is that he thought that guy was washed up after the little pig thing, so... <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, but we just kind of ignore this and move on. It's very weird. Um, Comet thinks his plan is to start charging kids for presents from Santa, so the Raggedies are pretty upset by this, because Comet didn't actually hear what he wanted. She just heard his monologue, and he didn't tell us the plan back then. Um, uh, so he's the capitalist, and Santa is socialist, and that's why he's yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they arrive at the uh, the ledge that looks over the North Pole, where they discover that Wolf has put up a huge sign in front of the workshop, renaming it the Alexander G. Wolf Gloopstick Factory. And they sort of muse a little bit about what that might be before Anne unceremoniously kicks Comet out of the cartoon. And... <laughs> I, 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 it's actually pretty funny, because I did notice that as well to a character who shows up at like, the very beginning of my episode I'm going to be covering, who then just walks off and then comes back. <laughs> Yeah, like, the, the stated explanation is that Anne wants her to stay here on the ledge and keep watch in case the dolls need more help. But she's just not going to be in the rest of the show. She's done. <laughs> um, Dead. You don't yeah. see her again. Obviously, she died off screen. 
the dolls just kind of jump down into the village with no parachutes or anything because I guess again we're dropping toys they're they're made of stuffing that they don't care about internal injury uh, and they see Santa still sleeping in this big window and decide not to wake him up because his rest is too important so now so... I, so now I need to ask if they're dropping onto Santa's workshop how long till they put Raggedy Ann and Andy into Fortnite <laughs> at the rate they're going where they're even putting like Deku from My Hero Academia in there even though Deku is supposed to not be like a murder boy <laughs> Deku should well, not I mean, have a gun is the thing <laughs> neither should Batman is the thing <laughs> uh yeah true I mean hey they don't give a shit I mean you can put you can play as Geralt now and like at least like apparently like one of the items I guess in that is you can actually do like some of his uh spells like definitely like the uh the the fire spell because i definitely recognize yeah. that's the triangle one or no it's <laughs> uh, no the triangle one is uh the mind control one because i remember that's uh that's from another how live uh clip where amelia watson uh sees him do that to somebody and she says he put doritos in his head hmm. right that's how i remember that's the triangle one <laughs> <laughs> which one is the fire one then i think it's just agni is that right or Agnes or something? Uh... I, I'm not gonna lie, I do not know. <laughs> oh, Igni. Right, close enough. Uh... No, it is a triangle as well. Okay, maybe all the, maybe all of them are just triangles. I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um. So Raggedy Ann and Andy decide not to enlist the help of the one person who could stop this right away. So <laughs> instead, they head to the workshop where they see the gloop stick machine. Uh, Wolf isn't here. And Anne just doesn't like to look at it at all. And this is when Wolf shows up. He comes in from outside, and he immediately recognizes them. Uh, he knows who they are somehow, and he's just nothing but manners. He's so thrilled that Raggedy Ann and Andy have come to visit him. And Andy tells him that, and I'm going to quote this here, because this is how solid the plot of this story is. They are upset by, quote, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> Uh, also, update, Just... all the signs in The Witcher are triangles. <laughs> two of them are well, triangles right. pointing up, two are pointing down, but, like, two of them also have, like, a little, like, extra little, like, line going in the middle, and one of them is two triangles on top of each other. <laughs> Alright, so, see. that confirms that. <laughs> I played all of, like, maybe 14 hours of any Witcher total, and didn't like it. <laughs> Very fair. Literally played two I hours tried of I tried the Witcher first two. one, and I hated it, so I never tried yeah, it again. Yeah, I played, like, 12 of the, second, of the second game and stopped, and then, like, I played, like, two hours of the, the third game, and I was like, this is just too much and too big, and I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I only got it for five bucks on the EGS one year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so Wolf hears Andy basically saying that he has no idea what's going on here, but they're mad about it. And says, that, well, yeah, okay, yeah, you're mad about it, but that's only because you don't know what I'm doing. It's actually great that you two are here. It's perfect because I can, you can be the first two to know what I'm doing. I'll, I'll show you the wonderful things I'm doing for all the kids of the world. And so he takes them to see the machine, which he here calls the Gloopsticizer, which uh, I know, I hate it. And... Like, it's not running right now. It's just sitting there being a machine. And Anne immediately hates this thing the second she sees it, which I can only assume is because she's a Luddite from 1915. Um... <laughs> hey, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, to get Anne on board, Wolf asks her, you know, what happens to toys after Christmas? Maybe it takes a few months, but her immediate answer is that toys wear out. Not that they get played with, but that they break. Uh... <laughs> And apparently, the reason for this is because little brothers break them. So she and Andy get in a little bit of a fight, because um, 
This is related to the sort of trivia I mentioned at the top of the episode, because she was invented in 1915 and him not until 1920. So by sheer age, she is the big sister, but within canon, he's her big brother. So like they both call the other the little sibling, and it says that the little sibling is the one who breaks stuff. So there you go. It's it's a joke that requires entirely too much inside knowledge of Raggedy Andy. Good job. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's what we're here for. That's what we do on every show we like, cover, right? No, absolutely. That's what we're here for. That's not what kids in the 1970s no. who didn't have Wikipedia were here for. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so Wolf kind of redirects this, gets them out of their fight, because, uh, you know, Gloopstick will stop your toys from breaking, not just for a month after Christmas, but forever. And Andy is super on board with this. He He does not want his toys to break. So to try and get... And on his team, Wolf asks her what kind of a toy she would want for Christmas, and she's hesitant, but asks for a china doll because we're about to get into the really existential portion of the exercise, because uh, Anne is a doll, and she's alive. Yeah. Is it weird for her to have a doll? Would this doll also be alive if she's not around? Yes, uh, potentially, like, uh, <laughs> in that order. <laughs> It is, it is incredible. Like, it's like, it's one of those, again, like one of those things of like, that, that comes up of like, why is it that Pluto is a non-sentient dog, but Goofy is a sentient dog? Yeah, like, <laughs> where it's like, so why? Andy specifically says that they can't move or talk when there are people around. So clearly Alexander Wolf doesn't count as people. But <laughs> is that like, if they have dolls of their own, do they count as people? Or is them being dolls enough to circumvent that rule? I, I, I don't, it's, it's too much. <laughs> Yeah, again, this is, like, again, very reminiscent of the Toy Story, where, like, at least in that, they, like, they never, like, fully establish why they can't, like, just talk to people all the time, even though they also break that rule with Sid near the end, yeah. but, like, eh, I mean, to be fair, Sid is, like, a 13, like, a, no, not, no, not even that, I don't know how old Sid is supposed to be in Toy Story, he's, but, like, he's pretty young, I would say, yeah, like, but like nine. but, like, he's definitely, like, at that age where he would, like, rationalize it later on, of, like, I guess I just imagined my toys speaking to me directly and coming to life to grab yeah. my head <laughs> and chew me out for mutilating other toys and forcing them back together in different parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I mean, either way, uh, the, the doll that Wolf gives her is not alive because it is sealed in gloop sticks, so there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, she you know, like, hates this. Well, it might still be alive. It might be like a Han and Carbonite situation. Okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't think... No, this doll is absolutely dead, and I will explain why later. We'll get there. <laughs> yes, he handed her a doll corpse in a box. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, so... I did not know what to expect when you told me that your uh, that your show was going to be from, like, the 70s and the VHS that your parents had you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I hope... It is living up to the weirdness that I promised. Well, I feel like mine's be way less weird, but also mine's a show that anybody listening to this probably has actually seen. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, so uh, Anne actually hates the machine now, which, like, she has a finally a valid reason instead of just seeing it and hating it, which she has said twice so far. Because, like, after all, what good is a doll if you can't cuddle or play with it, you know? Uh, Andy is actually really on board with this, though, because, and I quote, Who would want to cuddle a crazy doll anyway? My dude, you are a doll, and this is supposed to be product placement. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, since Andy is so on board, Wolf then get offers to let him 
have his choice of stuff, and offers him the control panel, even. And Andy somehow has not realized what this means, so he gets a, quote, Howard Pyle Book of Pirates, an electric earth mover, a 40-speed bike, a regulation soccer ball, and a Christmas tree, all of which are cubed in gloop stick and just useless. Uh, very important to note, while he is flipping switches on this switchboard, there is one that is very obviously labeled Raggedy Andy, but I guess he doesn't care about that at all, so that's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now that he's gotten all of this stuff, all his five items, all gloopsticked, he finally realizes that they're useless because, you know, you can't read a book that's sealed in carbonite. Um, <laughs> oh, bad attitude. Because <laughs> you gotta and, get sealed in with it so you can read it. Yeah, yeah, while, yeah. While frozen in time and not able to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's where we get to, like, the, the actual evil capitalist part, because Andy asks what the point of all this is if you can't use these toys. So, the thing is, Wolf owns all patents on Gloopstick all over the world, and every single one of Santa's toys is now encased in it, so the kids will have to buy their presents, thereby learning a valuable moral lesson. And, you know, getting an unbreakable gift in return, and also he'll get rich in the process. Couple things here. Uh, the kids would not have to pay for their presents on account of your patents. Santa would. So, good job bankrupting one guy. Uh, second... <laughs> The instant kids discover they're not going to be able to use their toys, they're not going to want these toys anymore. Dude does not understand that people will not pay for worthless trash. Well, so see, the, go the goal over here overall is just to fuck over one socialist, which is Santa Claus, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, if that was his established goal, I would be on board, but that's not what he says. He thinks that people are really going to buy these toys and make him rich. <laughs> And that they will have to because he put his invention on the toys that someone else made and was so, going to give away for free. I need to ask now, does, does this guy ever show up in any other Raggedy Ann and Andy special? To my knowledge, this is his only appearance. <laughs> Alright then. Uh, we will get to that, believe you me. <laughs> uh, Are there more Raggedy Ann and Andy Christmas specials? <laughs> uh... There were more cartoons. I don't know if there were more Christmas specials. The one after this is Raggedy Ann and Andy in The Pumpkin Who Couldn't Smile, so... <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yep. Alright. Uh, yeah, so Anne, hearing his plan, finally gets really mad and calls him terrible and a thing. And Andy actually backs her up for once. They're not arguing. So this is where uh, Raggedy Arthur comes in. He's just been kind of hanging out this whole episode being a dog. But he's just, he charges into the work start, barking up a storm. He is fully going for the throat with his little plush teeth. <laughs> I mean, again, he is a plush toy, so it's not going to do anything, but he's doing his best. Getting, um, getting gummed to death by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on in the middle of this charge, Wolf flips the switch on the gloopsticizer, which is labeled Raggedy Arthur, and the machine catches him by his little loop tail and uh, drops him in the smokestack, and after a moment spits out a cubed Arthur. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely his head, dead. His head and tail are free. Uh, so, like, the, okay, the head of okay. the dog is sticking they, they out, and he's that, still wagging his little okay, tail. Okay, they realize the implication that some children would understand that if he was fully encased, he'd be definitely dead. So they yeah. were like, we need to not <laughs> encase the dog's face, at the least. Yep. Uh, um, Wolf specifically notes here that uh, you see how easily he can breathe, so that doll is definitely dead, because she didn't have her head out of the thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if dolls need to breathe, he suffocated every doll that Santa ever made. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
It's also this is where he reveals that uh, don't worry about it. Uh, Arthur is going to be safe forever, and he will never ever be hurt because Gloopstick is absolutely unbreakable. So don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> he's immortal now. This is also where Wolf mentions how Arthur would be a wonderful gift for some child somewhere. And, like, uh, again, if the dolls are sentient, this is raising a lot of ethics questions here. Like, okay, so Arthur is already Andy and Anne's dog, but if, like, can you just, if you take someone's toy and give it to someone else, but that toy is sentient, is that slavery? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Don't think about it. <laughs> it's it's bad. I don't like it. Um. So again, the things that the moral quandaries of cartoons made in the seventies that people making these things are not thinking of. <laughs> yeah. No. Not at all. Um. Andy threatens Wolf with physical violence, insisting that he'd better get Arthur out of there, despite. What he was just told that it was unbreakable and permanent forever, and sort of marches up on her, and like he's rolling up the sleeves of his little sailor suit. But uh, Wolf just goes back to the panel and flips the very obvious Raggedy Andy switch, and the machine drops him in the funnel. <laughs> right he's, as he's definitely uh, dead. <laughs> yeah, and this set is right as Wolf mentions. Uh, what a lovely gift a gloopsticized Raggedy Andy will be for some child. So again, you are yeah. giving away <laughs> a sentient being. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, so, well, not even giving away, because he's planning to sell these to kids. So he is definitely selling a person. So there you go. Okay. Uh, I didn't the... know what to expect <laughs> going into this. <laughs> and this really, like, is this cartoon telling us that owning a Raggedy Ann doll is slavery? Because if these toys are sentient, like, come on, this is super messed up. It's supposed to be an advertising kick, but you were telling us not to own these dolls. It's it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's a little counterintuitive um, to their plan of selling merchandise based on these very merchandisable children's toys that are literally toys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've been around for 50 years at this point, 60 years at this point, so it's... It's not like people don't know them, but I assume this was some sort of marketing push to try and get people buying them again, and the whole moral is don't buy these toys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anne sees this happen and just runs on account of the crippling weight of existential horror that has been laid out before her. <laughs> and uh, she heads into the grove of Christmas trees that I mentioned earlier. Wolf just kind of saunters after her, telling her how selfish she is being because some child desperately wants a Raggedy Ann doll, and it's not fair to deny that child her, you know, her. And he walks into the trees after her, and we see Andy pull himself up. Uh, he managed to catch the rim of the funnel with his hands and didn't get gloopsticked. I guess he is the only toy with a high enough reflex save to not just fall down into the machine. <laughs> Uh, and wow, I, is... never, I haven't heard anybody called Dex saves reflex saves in ages. <laughs> I play 3.5. Stop it. <laughs> um, Last time I played yeah. 3.5 was over a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, because Anne is only like 8 inches tall, she's able to hide in the branches between the trees. I guess I didn't say this earlier. Wolf is human-sized, so it's, it's weird. Uh, and he's just stalking around this grove, telling her how she can't disappoint that poor slave-wanting little child and uh unlike yeah since wolf is so tall his head actually sticks out above these other trees because i guess they're not full-size trees they're only like four feet or whatever so andy like 
pull-ups himself out of the machine and hops down to flip the switch for a Christmas tree. And when he does this, it grabs Wolf since he is the tallest thing in the area. And uh, after being dropped into the tube after just a moment, he's spit out, decorated with tinsel and ornaments, and only his head sticking out of this entirely unbreakable tree-shaped plexiglass box. He is absolutely going to die. Yep. Because, yeah, even if he can eat and drink with his head out, uh, it's going to cause some serious medical problems if he can't expel waste. <laughs> his his organs are going to explode, and he will just be a corpse in a plexiglass prison. Happy Christmas. Um, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But because we can't talk about that, it's a kid's cartoon. He is actually really way more upset that he doesn't know how to be a Christmas tree. Um, he's never practiced being a Christmas tree, and now he's going to be one forever. And that really bothers him. So, <laughs> uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy are sadistic little monsters who are laughing about the fact that they have just murdered a man. But... <laughs> When he mentions, again, that Gloopstick is absolutely, completely impervious and unbreakable, this is when they remember that their dog is also doomed to be a cube forever, and they run over and hug him around his little sticking-out neck and tell him how much they love him and how they don't care if he's a cube, because he's the best dog in the world anyway, and Arthur is fine. He's a doll. He's not gonna, like, he doesn't need to eat. He won't suffocate. He's he's gonna be okay in this cube. But actually, uh, what happens is when they tell him how much they love him, the cube explodes into pink heart-shaped confetti, because it turns out the one weakness of Gloopstick is if you love the item that is inside the Gloopstick. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Get and of course, Wolf never figured this out, because he doesn't love anything, so... <laughs> this is a soulless, uh, is... heartless man. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's 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 started crying by this point, especially seeing this, because no one loves him, so he will never escape. All he is is a big bad wolf who doesn't know how to be anything else, and here we're back to the big bad wolf narrative. Um, Anne tells him that he might be a big wolf, but he doesn't have to be a bad one. He could be a big good wolf if he wants to. And uh, he says, actually, he doesn't really know how. Uh, he just, he hates being evil, but it's the only job he could get in this economy, which, like, mood. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So is this just like is this like just proto Wreck It Ralph? It's like I I got that guy. That's what I. That's the only thing I know. Well, it, it's not that exactly. It's yes, he being evil is the only thing he knows how to do. But also, it's because it's the only job he could get. So it, it is Wreck It Ralph a little bit, but it's not because the moral of Wreck It Ralph is don't try to change. You are the way you were born. The end. <laughs> Yeah, so, morbid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that movie, but it's really hard to reconcile with the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a big part of the reason I like Racket Ralph 2, which says, actually, no, that is stupid. Be a real person. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yes, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he only became evil because it was the only job he could get, so... Yeah, capitalism. Um, Andy is pretty reluctant to save him, saying that it is actually very hard for wolves to change. I don't know if this is him being wolf racist or if that's a thing, but Alexander insists that actually he already has, uh, you know, in the last two minutes where he was imprisoned. But even though he's changed, it's actually pretty hard to be a good guy if you're permanently trapped in Gloopstick, so uh, this is this is still not... F- I mean, I guess he can be a good Christmas tree now. Whatever. <laughs> And then things get really weird. <laughs> because uh, Anne asks if Andy remembers 
what happened in Peter Pan when Tinkerbell died. <laughs> if you're familiar with Peter Pan, what happens yeah, when Tinkerbell the... is dying is that he asks the audience to clap for her yeah, so she'll yeah, get it's well. The, I do believe in fairies. I do I do thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And in some specific instances of Peter Pan, uh, no, namely the stage play, they specifically request the audience's help with this. It's not just him saying that over and over again. So uh, because this is this worked for Peter Pan, uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy turn to you, the audience, watching the cartoon, and ask for help ungloop-sticking everything. They are aware that they are in a cartoon and are asking you to unreservedly love all the toys that Santa made that have been trapped. That's exactly what all these things from, like, this time period were, really. <laughs> like, yeah, the, it's... like, it's even just, like, I mean, like, yeah, this stuff also happens, and, like, is Dora the Explorer still on TV? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's getting new episodes, but it's very popular for reruns. Yeah, it's, like, very much, like, that kind of thing of, like, yeah, like, the whole, like, repeat the Spanish at the screen, or say swipe or no swiping. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just it never went away, I guess. <laughs> Yep. So, uh, yeah, we just get a sequence. It's just a bunch of shots of, like, presents that are encased in gloopstick, and then a bunch of disembodied voices, which are supposed to represent the cartoon audience, because they're not sure if you'll shout or not. <laughs> just yell no at the gloopstick, and then it explodes. And <laughs> yeah, but this happens, there's like six or seven shots of this happening. I'm imagining, after you, that... I'm imagining you watching this being like, no, keep that fucker in, let him die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Fuck um, him. Well, this it, it's all the presents. And then we go we cut to Wolf who thanks the audience for all their help because it doesn't really matter what happens to him. He can be a Christmas tree just as long as all those presents are free of that horrible gloop stick that he invented and was very happy about 3 minutes ago. <laughs> um and Anne turns to the audience again and asks if they really believe that he can be a good wolf, despite, oh. again, like, no character development or motivation or anything. And uh, all those same audiences now shout yes, which is enough to explode Alexander's gloop stick. And he hugs the both of them and thanks them and declares that this is the first time anyone has ever loved them, loved him, just as they hear Santa's alarm clock going off. And uh, Wolf insists that they have to leave because Santa can't know anything ever happens, because if he did, then, you know this would like it wouldn't make a difference it's santa man it's not the devil he's not going to take you to hell um (laughs) but yeah they're like tiptoeing out in the cartoon sneaking style and then andy points back to the gloops decisor because it is you know a 30 foot tall machine and solid evidence that something weird happened here but wolf just sneaks back to the machine and pushes the self-destruct button and it like swallows itself up into nothing like each part devours the next part and until there's just nothing left and they i guess climb the 200 foot sheer cliff to leave the north pole as the sun is rising and we see santa as his reindeer flying away and comets like she she's behind but she follows up and like meets them mid-flight leaving them stranded at the north pole because uh they, yeah they got rid of the the, the rocket jet <laughs> no, the, yeah they the sure did slide. yeah <laughs> yeah they self-destructed it and comet left so <laughs> uh and just says thank goodness it's all over and wolf agrees but then he also thanks badness because after all you know he thinks he's going to enjoy being good but no one can be really sure unless you've tried being evil first so then they all dance off into the sunrise with that incredibly confusing moral that encourages kids to be evil. The end. 
Well, I, again, once, once more, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> and that is Raggedy Ann and Andy in <laughs> The Great Santa Claus Caper. Which really I don't doesn't know why involve... it's called that. Yeah, he which, is in one which scene. Is, it's not a heist and barely involves Santa at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is nominally a heist because Wolf does kind of steal the workshop, but that is not... <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's my holiday special. <laughs> I grew up watching that every year as a kid. Can never say I've watched any Raggedy Ann and Andy ever. It's possible that this developed to my early anti-capitalist feelings. I don't know. That definitely wasn't what they wanted, but. <laughs> well then. Yep. Ah. The holidays. <laughs> holidays. Yep, they'll make a holiday special out of fucking anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know we like discussed whether or not we're really gonna have trivia much in this, but uh, I don't know if you have anything in particular with that. Uh, not really. I, I kind of covered it as we went because it was like essential knowledge to get the jokes. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually do have, like, a little bit at the end of mine, but it's really just, like, two voice actors. It's like, oh, dang, those those guys are in this? Huh, sure, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess with that, I should get into mine, right? Sounds like <laughs> Which, a plan. Again, people listening in on this probably have actually seen this, because, like, most of the people we talk to are around our age on the Discord. <laughs> or at the least, like, they probably have, like, at least watched the reruns of this later on, because, uh... I also didn't realize that this was, like, way early into this show's run, because it's in season one of five, and it's episode 11. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I did not realize that it was that early, even though I've watched this special multiple times, because, uh, <laughs> the one I picked is, uh, the Christmas episode of Hey Arnold. <laughs> hey! Because it's, uh, for some reason, uh, like, kind of one of the only Christmas specials I really have watched repeatedly in, like, even, like, recent years. For, I guess it... We'll get to it, but it's actually, like, kind of a heartwarming episode. I mean, to be fair, Hey Arnold is always kind of that. Like, Hey Arnold is, like, you know, again, from the early, like, 90s. Yeah. This one aired in, like, December 1999, so it's, like... The show has always been that whole, like, more or less in the week thing of, like, Arnold meeting, like, all the different, like, various classmates and, less, like, people around the city, which never gets named, and I always thought it was New York City, but apparently people say it's, like, close to the San Francisco, just because there's, like, some shots that you can see the Golden Gate Bridge in. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, but I, I, I Yeah, but I just always, I always thought it was New York City as a kid for some reason. It just looks so much like New York City to me. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, it's always been like that kind of show of like the kids learn a lesson. But also like, I mean, Arlen and his classmates are nine, so it's literally that kind of show. Well, but... it is, but I feel like, I, I think the difference with Hey Arnold is that it tries to be a little more... Timmy Turner might learn to be more careful what he wishes for, but that's not the same thing as learning about what we're going to learn about in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay, so you're familiar with the Christmas special of Hey Arnold? I have not seen it, and I have not watched Hey Arnold, but uh, I've definitely heard people talk about it. So uh, I, uh, yeah. I have a... Because <laughs> uh, get ready for talking about family separation because of a war. Most likely the Korean War, I think? Or Vietnam? Yeah, I don't... I don't I, like, I, I wonder now. I need to look up what nationality Mr. Wynn is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty... Uh, I think Vietnam he's... Vietnam War. Huh? Vietnam War. Yeah, I was pretty sure it was like Vietnam because I was like I was like I was like kind of split like he's either like Korean or Vietnamese, but I was pretty sure it was Vietnam War. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah, this episode is actually just titled Arnold's Christmas because like again, 
90s, so they don't get very original with holiday specials. I mean, there's really also other episodes called Arnold's Valentine's Day, Arnold's Halloween, and Arnold's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Arnold's no Thanksgiving, I recall, is fucked up because the moral lesson is you have to deal with your family even if they suck. <laughs> Which, e- not good. They, yeah, Arnold they... and Helga both deal with that because, like, they go and meet their, like, uh... Because, like, also, like, early on, like, they have a different teacher because, like, it's... I think it's, like, season two and on they have Mr. Simmons as their teacher compared to, like, their other teacher whose name I definitely don't remember because she's barely in the show much but like uh yeah she basically just retires to become a professional golfer if my memory is correct and Mr. Simmons shows up and like they are basically just both fed up with their families because like Arnold's family is just so dysfunctional in a way just because like he has his grandparents and lives in a boarding house full of other tenants and Helga's family Helga's family especially just fucking sucks full out <laughs> Helga, yeah. like Olga less so but Olga is also like the the perfect little ch- like t- college grade. I, I think she's college. I, I think she, I'm pretty sure she's, she's in college. But like she's basically always been like the prim and proper like perfect little girl, and she kind of lets that go to her head. She sucks less than <laughs> than uh, Big Bob and Miriam though at the least. But yeah, no. A lot like I said earlier, a lot of people in this special fucking suck <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so I guess we'll just get into it. Uh, yeah, also this show really does show that this episode is almost 30 years old. <laughs> Just like all the technology you see of them going during like the shopping sequence and also how easy it would be to find the person in the year 2022 that you haven't seen in a long, long time. <laughs> Definitely not something you could do back in 96. <laughs> I guess, well, no, nah, we can talk about that as the episode goes on. Yeah. It's fine. I'll ask later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, we open up with basically just like a whole like minute or so of just shots of the city, which again never gets named, just covered in snow with various supporting characters like various classmates of Arnold's and some of the tenants of the boarding house just playing in slow, like playing ah, playing in the snow, not slow, uh, sledding and ice skating somehow on a road that is just entirely ice, which A is a massive safety hazard and B would get dealt with ASAP in a normal ass city that deals with snow. <laughs> <laughs> they're just it's just right up on like the road itself that's like in the neighborhood <laughs> doesn't make sense uh also weirdly enough there's just a one shot of like an arnold shaped snowman which is like definitely wasn't made by arnold because he's not an egotistical asshole to do that <laughs> so it definitely has to be that helga made it <laughs> like that's that's the only reason i can come to of why somebody would make a snowman of arnold <laughs> because <laughs> helga has a very creepy crush on him <laughs> That is one of the few things I'm aware of about this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's definitely supposed to be, like, played off as not creepy, because, again, they're nine. But also, yeah. it's like, you know, this girl is, like, fucking obsessed with this boy. <laughs> and meanwhile, <laughs> he doesn't really care much for her. He's still polite and will say hello to her, but she's just always just a mean asshole to him. That he's just like, yeah, no, you kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, at least he's setting boundaries. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold's too again Arnold is too good and pure to really hold a grudge against anybody so like while he'll be annoyed at times he eventually just gets over it immediately <laughs> yep that's just the kind of show that Arnold is uh but yeah after we get through all that which is basically they show that mostly just to like also put up like the uh, opening credits and stuff for like not even like actors and stuff it's just like the just like show creators and stuff I think but that's just all over that. But uh, we just cut immediately to school being let out for winter break, I assume, because they don't mention that they're on winter break, but it's also like only a few days till Christmas, so I assume it is. Uh, with Helga that and... is a short-release winter break. 
Yeah, uh, hey, that's what I got in New York, actually. I guess that's also why I thought that Arnold, Hey Arnold took place in New York, because, like, especially later on when I was in high school, like, we got, like, the first day of winter break we had was literally Christmas Eve, and we went back to school on, like, January 2nd. We had literally, like, nine days off. <laughs> Sometimes less if we had snow days that we had to cut into. Oh, Dude. that is terrible. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, no, Long Island sucks. Flex <laughs> Station District Schools in particular. <laughs> to, 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 I, I, go in, I guess I wouldn't say to dox me, to dox child Chloe being in, like, growing up in Long Island, I guess, in what school district <laughs> I went to. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I don't live there anymore. <laughs> uh, but yes. Uh, but yeah, Helga's walking with her best friend Phoebe, who... Phoebe doesn't really get a whole lot to do in the show, from my recollection. She's kind of more there to kind of also act as another kind of, like, moral compass for Helga at times, but she's really just her, like, best friend, who also has, like, a little bit of a crush on Gerald, which is Arnold's best friend. Uh, but yeah, they're just going around, and Phoebe's mostly just, like, talking to her about how she just loves, like, the decorations that go up in the city during the holiday season, while Helga is only obsessing over her presence and saying that that's the only thing that matters about the holiday season. So, again, firmly establishing, if you haven't seen much of this show, that Helga just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely one of the worst people. <laughs> uh, yes, Phoebe tries to convince her that the holiday's all about giving and not getting, but Helga's too obsessed with getting her shit entirely from her parents, which includes... And Gary, to hear this said like 20 times during this segment on my episode, a pair of Nancy Spumoni, uh, Spumoni, Spumoni, I don't know why the fuck I can't say that, signature snow boots. Probably doesn't help that I can't say the last name Spumoni for some reason, <laughs> considering that it comes yeah. up so often in this. <laughs> Yeah. I don't actually know if Nancy Spumomi is, like, a parody of, like, an actual, like, famous thing. Because, like, they definitely do that at times with, like, uh, some, like, famous musician who... I always forget his name in the show, but he's definitely, like, a parody of something. Oh, uh, okay. No, it doesn't... Uh, I just opened up the Google... Or not the wiki. The Hey Arnold wiki saying about this and, uh... Uh, likely she has some sort of kind of association with Dino Spumoni. Oh, okay, right, because Dino Spumoni is, like, the musician that Arnold meets occasionally. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, and apparently the episode Dino checks out, Dino's revealed to have been married five times and had no biological children of his own, though some of his ex-wives had kids from previous relationships, but none of his ex-wives or former stepchildren are named Nancy. So assuming once again that Nancy Spumoni is a real person, but Dina, but this is Dina's daughter, former stepdaughter, ex-wife, she's likely his cousin, his niece, or possibly even his sister. Okay, that checks out. I, I guess that's like, because also like, uh, Dina Spumoni is based on, uh, Sp Spumoni, god fucking white, <laughs> I can't say that. Uh, she's apparently, uh, he's apparently based on Frank Sinatra, which checks ah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah like, that makes sense. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, Sinatra had a... uh, Nancy's most famous product are, yeah, the snow boots, uh, are, the snow boots are apparently, are potentially a reference to the 1966 hit These Boots Are Made For Walking by Nancy Sinatra. Okay. There this, you go. This, okay, that explains a lot. Because I always also wonder about that, but I never actually looked up anything about these, like, to see if the snow boots is actually, like, a parody or something. But I guess it makes sense if it's, like, yeah, they, they parody Frank, Frank Sinatra and there being, like, a Nancy uh, whole thing there. That, that checked out. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I guess that's trivia technically, too. <laughs> <laughs> on the fly because I didn't know. But yeah, uh, but while Helga's fantasizing about having a pair of these fucking kind of grody ass snow boots, I'll be real, they don't look good. Uh, her, <laughs> like her uh, classmate, who's like, Ro like her name is Rhonda. She's like the like uh, 
basically the token like rich girl character on the show like her parents are like uh i think they're like wealthy ceos or something they live in like a really fancy like house and all and there's like this one episode where apparently like they run out of their money somehow and like they basically have to like move into arnold's boarding house and Rhonda hates being what she calls poor because of like arnold's state of living mostly <laughs> but like uh it basically gets fixed by the end of the episode just like everything else in these <laughs> but she's not i don't remember if Ron, i don't think Rhonda's really much of a character besides that one time because like a lot of the classmates they show up on occasion like there's like repeat episodes about eugene they like the put the pair the poor unlucky put upon kid who in like i think one of the last episodes he's really like a major character and he realizes that all of his unluckiness is actually related to arnold getting involved in his shit so he tells him to go away because <laughs> arnold's <laughs> apparently the unlucky one and not him <laughs> and i think it actually gets Brutal. better for him <laughs> yeah kind of but like a lot of them like it's like mostly like him like i think sid comes up often stinky comes up often and harold comes up often aside from like obviously like arnold gerald and helga but i feel like most of the other kids oh right and, and uh and lila later on because she's introduced later on as like the actual like character that arnold has a crush on i think in like season three or four i think but yeah like most of the other kids mostly only show up like once or twice in like main episodes to put it to them more or less and then they mostly are just there in the background but yes, and anyway, uh, Rhonda tells her, uh, good fucking luck getting any of these pairs of snow boots, Helga, because they're sold out in every city store in the city. Nobody has them anymore. But Helga is assured that her parents got her a pair of L's because, remember, Helga fucking sucks. Because <laughs> she basically she basically phrases it as, like, or I'll show them some holiday spirit <laughs> if they didn't get these boots from me. And it's like, Jesus Christ, Helga, you suck. <laughs> You're so bad. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but we cut over to Arnold and Gerald leaving a store with Arnold asking Gerald what he got for his family members and apparently basically Gerald got ties for them all because he's just lazy and doesn't actually know what to ever get his family, <laughs> including his like four year old sister. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Arnold tells him that uh, he can't get a tie for his four year old sister because she doesn't really have a use for it and that he should also put in more effort in finding the right gift for, uh, for a person on a per-person basis. But come on, Arnold, maybe maybe Timothy, or Tamantha, I forget her name, is experimenting for gender. You don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Gerald does concede that he probably should just give the tie to his grandpa and get his sister a toy instead. And at this, uh, Gerald comically tells Arnold that he has to leave, and when Arnold asks why, he's like, I gotta return the gift I got you. <laughs> so clearly he also got Arnold a tie. <laughs> it's it's yeah i don't remember the show being all that comical like that but it's like it's a nice little joke where it's like they don't explain it but it's like it's you can tell what happened it's because gerald got him a tie too <laughs> uh but yeah gerald heads off and uh arnold uh, just like walks off i guess towards home and he happens to pass by helga and phoebe who are looking in like i think it's like a tv store i forget exactly but they're just looking at that and phoebe just conveniently walks off into an alleyway and is out of this special for the rest <laughs> she got like two lines to say and that's it unfortunately and i remember i, I distinctly remember i liked phoebe in the show and i don't remember exactly what she ever gets to do but yeah she doesn't show up much in this unfortunately and as a result but it makes sense considering huh. this episode is all about arnold whole like adventure kind of trying to like find a way to give mr win a good gift well, yeah. yeah, that tracks. But yeah, she's gone, and uh, when Phoebe's gone conven conveniently for Helga, Helga notices Arnold walk by and does her usual thing of saying, like, Arnold, ah, what an asshole, that idiot kid, but also immediately goes into, like, her whole little spiel about how she likes him and wants to find the perfect gift for him because uh, she has that whole, like, stupid, unrequited, one-sided crush on him and all that I think they resolve in the first movie or the second movie, I think. I think it's, like, something that they actually, like, she actually tells him. I don't know how that ends, because I never saw it in the two movies, because they released 
I mean, the first movie released, like, near the end of when the show stopped, and, like, the Jungle movie released, like, a few years ago, because that movie apparently was in the works for, like, a decade before they finally released it or something. It's very strange. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But late that evening, when Arnold's back at the boarding house, we go over to uh, Mr. Wynn arriving home, who thinks he hears somebody calling out to him, but it's all just in his head. And he enters in order to just in time for their yearly Secret Santa drawing, which is at first rigged by another tenant, Oscar, who is an asshole. <laughs> Oscar <laughs> is like kind of a bad stereotype. Like I don't know what nationality he's supposed to be, but like his whole his full name is Oscar Kakashka. So I think he's like uh I don't know what they I don't know what that would be based on his name. He definitely has like he has like a little bit of like a thick like uh yeah kind of like urine and uh, not urine uh, like uh, European Czech, according to oh yeah okay yeah that tracks yeah yeah because he has like the very thick like Czech sort of accent so yeah that that at the least this show is actually kind of decent at representation because like Gerald is black Mr. Wynn is like we established like Vietnamese Oscar is like of a uh, Czech descent like they actually have like a decent amount of like people of like color and different nationalities in the show. Again, going from my memory of like a lot of the supporting characters, but also yeah. prim primarily the boarding house tenants and also like Arnold's closest friends. <laughs> Obviously, nobody queer, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, some people can read into a little bit of like Helga and Phoebe's reactions, uh, like interactions of like maybe Phoebe has a crush on her, but nah, no, it's more that she just like maybe she's bi because he definitely shows more just in Gerald. But nah, people will interrupt it. Will inter, will in. Ah, why am I fucking slipping over this? People will interpret <laughs> things as they will. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Absolutely. It, yeah. But yeah, it's rigged by Oscar originally to only have his name in there because he also fucking sucks and his whole thing is that he's greedy as hell and also lazy. Like, for the longest time in the show, he doesn't have a job until he gets, like, a del newspaper delivery boy job <laughs> kind of mm. deal. Yeah, it's, 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 again, some of the show is weird and probably doesn't hold up very well. <laughs> <laughs> At least this one does for the most part. <laughs> Aside from, again, it'd be so easy to find a missing person in 2022 compared to 1996. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they redo the drawing, and Arnold gets Mr. Wynn, and he kind of looks a little bit, like, sad about it. He's, like, it's not really, like, fully articulated until the next scene of why Arnold feels sad about it. But we get that clarified, because later on at a snowball fight with other kids of their neighborhood, Arnold's talking to Gerald about what to get for Mr. Wynn, and Gerald, of course, tells him they just get his ideal gift of a tie, because that's what you get for people you don't know what they want. And yeah. but Ar Arnold's just too, like, dwelling on it too much of, like, how Mr. Wynn always seems depressed at this time of year, which, fair, it's the holidays. Some people just don't like the holidays, Arnold. It's not necessarily that something might have, bad have happened, but, yeah, some people just don't care. But yeah. he wants to get him something special that would help cheer him up, and Gerald suggests that Arnold just go do some recon by talking to Mr. Wynn, rather than just thinking to himself, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it kind of gives away the secret Santa game, but at least you can help get something somebody would want. Yeah, I, I don't think necessarily Mr. Wynn catches on to that, because, like, even near the end of the episode, like, he doesn't really, like, know exactly who, like, who's supposed to be getting him a gift, because, like, Arnold, Arnold tries to explain, but he gets interrupted near the end of the episode before he can explain, but then he does kind of, like, say happy, like, Merry Christmas and everything, so he figures out by the end, but I don't think he necessarily figures it out now. But also, it's like... <laughs> I, I know that, like, later in the episode, Arnold calls Mr. Wynn a friend of his, but I feel like it's kind of more that, like, Arnold would just describe everybody in the boarding house a friend of his just because they live together, technically. And well, I, that I, makes sense, yeah, especially I, I, if he is they, as good of a boy as you said. <laughs> I think even, like, Arnold's grandma, like, makes dinner usually for everybody every day kind of deal. 
I think I'm pretty sure that's like a thing where it's like they they kind of are like a little bit of a family themselves in a way, but it's like I don't think he's necessarily all that close to Mr. Wynn because like again like a big part of this is like he's actually not sure what to get him, <laughs> so that's why he has to do recon. But yeah, but in any case, Arnold goes to Mr. Wynn's apartment at some unspecified time later, basically just right after that. And Mr. Wynn's apartment is just so bereft of furniture. <laughs> I never noticed it that first, because like the scene of like Arnold's is sitting on his couch, and he had like two little end tables on the side of the couch, but like there's no other furniture in the entire room, and Mr. Wynn is just sitting on like a small stool looking at Arnold and talking to him. <laughs> so it's like, Mr. Wynn, do you not actually have furniture, or is this just a weird composition based on the size of this unit? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Arnold basically just tries to like uh, say that he just wanted to like check in with him and say hello, just because I guess it's been a while since they've like spent any time talking to each other, really. And his various attempts at trying to find out what he'd like go pretty much nowhere, because like Mr. Wynn doesn't like candy, he has like too many sweaters and stuff, so he's not necessarily like cold. At, in the... Like Mr. Wynn actually offers him a sweater because he's like, I have too many, you want one? It's like, uh, no, 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 good. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of funny. Like, none of his attempts are actually going anywhere. But he eventually just, like, brings up, like, yeah, it's getting close to Christmas, huh? And Mr. Wynn is like, yeah, this time of year always bums me out. And he picks up a little photo of a little, like, inf like, I don't I don't know if you would call her a toddler or an infant. Like, she's definitely, like, like can walk if you hold her hand, as we see in a flashback. But, like, I, th I, th I guess Maya is, like, closer to a toddler at that point when that picture was taken. But, yeah. yeah. It would be a toddler, I would think. Yeah, somewhere around there. Like, maybe, like, two or so. But yeah, he, he picked up a picture of this little girl on his, like, table and, like, gets to be a little bit, like, sad with reflecting on, like, something that happened in the past. So he kind of had really, like, no prompting of Arnold's at all. Mr. Wynn just gets into his entire backstory, which, again, like, <laughs> he's, he's the main, like, member of the boarding house I distinctly always remember just because, again, like, most of the other people that live there, which are really just, like, the Kakashkas and, uh, oh, I don't remember his name, the little construction guy. Like, they don't really have as much of, like, intricate backstories in a sense. Like, it's, like, Oscar is just a lazy bum. Like, his wife is just put upon and has to, like... I think she works, like, two or three jobs because of him just being an Oof. idiot and wasting so much money. Yeah, she she, that, she should divorce that asshole and kick him out. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and uh, I don't think... Oh, Ernie Potts is the... Uh, right, I think... I'm pretty sure that's the name of the construction guy. I think he doesn't really have much of, like, a, like, reason why he likes demolitions and stuff. He just does that. But, yeah, Mr. Wynn's the one that always stood out because he actually has this, like... Up this whole sad sequence where he relates the Vietnam War to us. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh. So basically, well, it's it's a pretty like you know for kids version of that. Like he basically explains that like when he he used to live in a country far away, which again is basically just Vietnam. They never say it because they don't really specify like places at all in the show. And he. He says he had a family. We never see, like, if he had a wife or anything, because he definitely only, like, ever is shown with his daughter, Mai. So, like, maybe he had a wife, and maybe she, like, passed away or something, or maybe they divorced. They never specify. But, huh. yeah, he had her and, like, was all happy living in Vietnam, but uh, war was uh, getting closer every day when she was an infant or toddler, whatever it is, I don't remember. But uh, he basically was just like, this is not a good country for her to grow up in because of how dangerous it's getting, because, again, Vietnam War. And he made the decision that they had to try to get out of the country. And I, I, he gets to, like, this is the part of the backstory that actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Because, like, he apparently, like, gets to a city, and the only way out of the city is by helicopter. I don't, not by plane or anything, but, like, he, like, there's basically a bunch of people trying to, like, get on the same helicopter. And the guy, like, the military soldier guys on the 
fuck what is that the soldiers the, mil- the military soldier guys <laughs> you know as you do yeah, uh yeah. They, they're on the helicopter and say they only have room for one person on there even though they definitely have at least room for like an adult with a child sitting on their lap but well, it's... yeah i mean especially if it's that young of a child like... yeah but like i guess they just don't have any room that they can actually fit a full adult or anything like that so they but they say they only have room for one person and mr win like held up his child above like the entire crowd and i guess everybody just decided yeah we should get the child out and not actually try to force any of us to get on the helicopter and at least they're reasonable in that way yeah like at least they weren't complete assholes but like basically like the soldiers agree they take my they as they fly out they tell mr win the name of a city which he says is this city the city they live in which they never name <laughs> it's, it always gets a bit confusing whenever they just say that there's so many times in this show from my recollection that they just say yeah the city's great the city we live here oh, that's, and it's like they never say i it. don't like that very much at all yeah it's it's kind of more convoluted than you in the simpsons where they like make like they at least poke fun at the, whatever springfield they're in i remember there's like a point where they bring up like Oh, from here you can see all the states that border Springfield, and they just list like states that are all across the entire like um, the entirety of America, just to like lampshade the fact that they don't specify what Springfield. But I'm pretty sure like later on they actually did specify which one. I think. <laughs> but at least like that that actually is named at least like they say the name of that place compared to here, which again seems to be just San Francisco. It seems. Right. But yeah, uh, so basically that happens. He had to get separate and like did the right thing for his daughter by getting her out of the, out of the country and said that he would like get back to, get to the city as soon as he could. But he ends his story basically saying that he eventually got out of the country after 20 fucking years. <laughs> I, I don't know how it took him that long because the Vietnam War did not last 20 years. I guess maybe he just didn't have enough money to get to immigrate out. I don't know. I mean, that might be part of it, but like. I don't know, destroyed infrastructure, people not wanting to take in refugees. Uh, I, I guess, yeah. I, I, I definitely forgot, because I, I obviously remembered that like it seemed like there was like a 20-year gap between then and the end of the episode when, spoilers, they reunited, because of course, it's Harry Arnold. But like, I didn't realize that it was like he said that it took him 20 years to just get out of the city. So like, he's only been in America for like a few years at this point. Because <laughs> like, Bai is like... 24 27 or so maybe when we see her at the end like she's not like old old but like she's definitely like like mid-20s or something so it's like he's Mm -hmm. only been here for a few years because like i distinctly also remember there's another episode devoted to mr win where he basically he worked at a restaurant as like just like a preparation chef and he gets to be like really popular for some reason and they open up their own restaurant where they're basically just trying to like basically like make him into a celebrity more gerald trying to make him into a celebrity which puts <laughs> a lot of pressure on mr win but yeah i i know that that's his profession but like you know obviously he's like has a lot of like experience like making vietnamese dishes i guess so like he could easily get a job as a cook but he's really not been here very long actually <laughs> yeah he, has, he, he's, he speaks perfect english like yeah obviously he has an accent but like he speaks fluid english <laughs> it's like geez good good on you mr win <laughs> Sadly, enough, sadly, the, even though this episode is early, like, you know, like, maybe like the tail end of season one, my win never comes up again. It's kind of oh, a bummer. Yeah, like, yeah, she's never in any other episode, to my recollection. Like, there's multiple episodes of Mr. Winner in them and everything, but he never mentions my at all past this, and it kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's, why I thought this, that's why I thought this episode was, like, way later in the show for some reason, because it's like, oh, they didn't have time to introduce her. It's like, no, they have four whole seasons, and they just never bring her up again. 
Kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's that. I, I do not know why that would be. That's extremely strange. Yeah, like maybe they just had like too much of a big cast of recurring characters with like all of Arnold's classmates and the boarding house tenants that they were like, we just don't have the time to have another one in. I don't know. It was just uh, it's it's a weird oversight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly do not know. <laughs> actually, just to make sure, I'm gonna actually Google my win and see if. I should probably actually type her name correctly and also put Hey Arnold. Uh, trying to see just real quick. Here. Yeah, like, I'm curious to see. This isn't she... the Star Siblings. They didn't show up ten episodes before the end. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm technically wrong. She is referenced in episode ninety, which is Chocolate Boy. She's also mentioned in episode ninety three, which is Fanny Man, and she appears in the Jungle movie but has no speaking lines. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. There's like a, there's a group chat from the the Jungle movie where my where like uh Mr. Wynn is like t uh you know there with her like holding like uh, touching her shoulder in like the whole like fatherly way. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's something. Yeah, I'm I'm I was technically wrong. She at least shows up even if she never has any speaking lines past this episode, <laughs> and even then her speaking lines are like uh like what six words something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to get back on track, uh, Mr. Wynn ends the story saying that he hasn't been able to find her in the, the few years he's been in the city, uh, but he says he will never stop trying to find her and see her again, which just depresses Arnold, and still to this day legitimately makes me tear up a little bit. <laughs> it's sad. It's a very depressing story, actually. <laughs> uh, yes. And anyway... Continuing on, uh, I, I'm guessing that was probably, like, the 23rd, because the next rest of the show takes place basically on Christmas Eve, because they'd straight up say it's the day before Christmas at this point. Yeah. Because <laughs> on Christmas Eve itself, Arnold and Gerald are discussing Arnold's plan to try and find my win to bring her back to her father for Christmas. And while Gerald is a little skeptical of trying to find a person in the city of millions in the next 24 hours, Arnold is just ever the optimist, because he's Arnold, about this whole deal of trying to find her... And says that it's the ideal time for a miracle to happen because it's Christmas. So, again, <laughs> Arnold believes in magic, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, while that's all happening, Helga's basically just running amok in a store looking for something for Arnold, dismissing her various ideas, which includes a huge model train set that's like 200 pieces. Thinking that Arnold's too juvenile to like something like that, which, no, Helga, model trains are fucking dope regardless of what age you are. And also, Arnold is nine. He's literally a child. He would be into this. Because <laughs> this train set kind of looks dope. I'm interested in this train set, too, because model trains rule. <laughs> so I don't know why she thinks that he'd be too mature, like, mature for this. <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, like, if you're into trains, I guess, but... Yeah, I mean, I know, obviously, not everybody is, but, like, model trains are cool. <laughs> Like they're very, they, you can make them pretty elaborate with like, uh, like stuff like trees and other decorations and stuff, and like all the little hills that cats like to go into and block up the train. <laughs> I mean, it? I won't pretend that's not true. I just don't have relative interest in watching a little train go around in circles. That's, that's all. <laughs> yeah, I, I find it like some part of it is similar to like, uh, just how like relaxing you could be to like make like a model of like a Gundam or something. Of just making this train set and then like having it turned on and watching it work and go around. It's just, you know. That's it's, fair. Yeah, it's just relaxing. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I was just turning on my light because it's four o'clock and it's now getting dark because <laughs> it's winter. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. 
Anyway, uh, Arnold then goes on to say that he called every government agency in town all morning, which, that's a lot, and also I don't know why everybody would pick up the phone if it's a nine-year-old <laughs> trying to ask him something. Well, it's the 90s. They don't have caller ID. They don't True, know. true, I guess, yeah. <laughs> they could probably tell these kids just based on his voice. Yeah, but once yeah. they start talking to him, but... Yeah. But yeah, all of them led into this location, which is the Federal Office of Information, which is, god, that's a terrible title for a, a government building. Because <laughs> uh, he's sure that this place will contain the information on how to find my win somewhere, and he and Gerald go and enter and just see all the employees already celebrating Christmas. There's straight up one guy here in the office that, like, basically has, like, not a bucket, but, like, some, like a lampshade on his head, more or less. So it's like, this guy is clearly drunk at, like, <laughs> 10 a.m. <laughs> or whatever time this is. <laughs> like, these these people are clearly already drunk off their ass at work. <laughs> well, it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, but, like, why... Typically, well, I guess uh, sometimes, yeah, Christmas Eve is actually not closed. Like, buildings like this are not closed on Christmas Eve, I guess. But, like, they, they these adults are just drunk as fuck at, like, 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they go around trying to find somebody else and eventually uh, come to the department supervisor, uh, Mr. Bailey, who they see is still actually working at his desk because he's the only one that actually cares. And <laughs> he rightfully asks the very good question of who let these kids in, <laughs> which nobody else does. None of the adults at the party actually bother to look at the kids and be like, why are there two children on here, in here? But uh, they just walk right into Mr. Bailey's office with no problem. Again, <laughs> difference of the 90s where this place would definitely have security at the least, but it doesn't because it's the 90s. And yeah, but uh, basically he asks them how like how they got in, who let them in, and Arnold basically just ignores that question, just go right into the story of Mr. Wynn and his daughter. And uh, Bailey, to his credit, does actually like say that like the story has touched him, but that it would he emphasizes that it would take hours, if not days, to try to find a missing person, and he's also way too busy because it's the end of the year, more or less. <laughs> And yeah, he basically just tries to like dismiss him, being like, "Go to the party, have some eggnog." It's like you should not let kids have eggnog, especially if it has alcohol. As I suspect, like these adults already drunk off their asses, <laughs> so that's definitely that's definitely spiked uh, eggnog. Uh, but yeah, they're about to leave, but they then hear like uh, Mr. Bailey's phone ring and hear over here. I'm talking to his wife on the phone, where he says he hasn't done the Christmas shopping yet on Christmas Eve. So this guy also fucking sucks. <laughs> This is pretty poor planning. Yeah. I mean, yes, he is a busy government, like, employee, and he is the department supervisor, but, like, my guy, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> you haven't thought to do any Christmas shopping before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. He's, uh, he's basically trying to tell his wife, like, yes, I had the list, and somehow I'll get it all done, and, yeah, he just kind of, like, sighs as he hangs up the phone. But at this, like, Arnold and Gerald have basically just looked at each other and been like, yeah, we have an idea here. Because <laughs> Arnold immediately tries to make a deal with him that he and Gerald will do the Christmas shopping for him, and in exchange, he'll look for my win. And <laughs> basically, like, Bailey's just, like, has no options here because, like, it's funny because, like, he actually says, like, yeah, I'm going to trust two nine-year-olds with $300. And it's like, wow, just think of the fact that, like, $300 back then was so much more money than it is now. <laughs> Yeah, plus these kids are just complete strangers. You yeah, don't know also, anything about also them. Also that, yeah. But it's like, again, $300 for the amount of stuff they buy during the montage, which is like a VCR, a watch, like designer watch and everything, and that's in glass and everything. Like all the stuff, like they buy a lot of stuff for $300, which is like, geez, would this even be enough back then? Or is it just a case of at the thinking about it in today's conversion rate where like three hundred dollars would basically not cover any amount of christmas presents for an entire family <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 
Uh, but yeah, he eventually does concede because he's like, I hate shopping anyway. I don't have any time for this. So sure, I guess I'll trust these nine-year-olds. <laughs> so he gives them the money and the list. And he stresses to return with everything on the list. And in exchange, he'll look for my win once they come back. And the two head off to carry off their end of the deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, nobody would trust nine-year-olds with that much money anytime ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if they were nine-year-olds that you knew, and they had yeah, very I... specific jobs and conditions, then I could see maybe doing that. But these are just total strangers. Yeah. These are two children that walked into this government building and were like, hey, can you help us find a missing person? We'll do your Christmas shopping for you if you do. And he's like, I guess. <laughs> really doesn't yeah. take a whole lot of convincing because he just doesn't want to do shopping because he just sucks. <laughs> but yeah, we cut back over to Helga driving herself insane still, looking for a gift for a boy who mostly doesn't care about her because she's a mean little shit. <laughs> uh, but so... Yeah, I'm, I, I had to remind myself real quick. This character is Stinky Peterson who shows up. He, that is actually his name. It's like a lot of characters in Hey Arnold basically just have a name they go by because like they just call them that. Like there's specifically episodes devoted to a character called Stoop Kid, who's literally a kid that's grown up on a stoop ever since he was an infant. There's another one with like a homeless guy called Pigeon Man who just takes care of pigeons, and there's another one about like a like su like teen superhero wannabe called Monkey Man. Who just has like a like cape? He doesn't really have like a monkey motif, but he just calls himself Monkey Man. This isn't a case like that. Like this is Stinky is actually his legit legal name. <laughs> just a stress. Somebody, yeah, like somebody named their child Stinky. Like actually, but anyway, <laughs> he pops in to tell her that oh, that's a nice skateboard you have there, Helga. Arnold has one just like it. It's also purple too. And she's just like fucking god. Why can't I find something? <laughs> So she just, like, tosses it aside and just continues walking off somewhere to look for well, stuff. Well, at least someone warned her. <laughs> yeah, like, even even though, like, Stinky didn't overhear her talking that she wanted to get it from Arnold, like, he just happens to mention that, oh, Arnold has one just like it, too. Same color and all. Like, just because Stinky just doesn't realize that that's the context, he just happens to mention it <laughs> by chance. Yeah. But yeah, we cut back over to Arnold and Gerald having a montage of buying Mr. Bailey's gifts, in which no adult questions how a couple of nine-year-olds have all this cash. Because, again, they don't have, like, a card or anything. They just straight up have hundreds of dollars in bills. <laughs> it's the 90s. People were finding suitcases full of cash all over the place. You say that, and meanwhile, an entire episode of Hey Arnold is also about them finding a suitcase full of cash that is thrown at them from the mob. <laughs> because, See? Yeah. That, that context is that they actually are dressed up, coincidentally, as two pieces of fruit, which the actual, like, the handoff guys are supposed to be dressed up as, this way they know to toss the money to them, but they throw it at the two kids instead by accident, <laughs> and then they basically have to try to run away from the mob while trying to get rid of the cash. <laughs> yeah. I think, I want to say that's, I mean, that might actually be the very first episode of Hey Arnold. I gotta check now. I think it might be. <laughs> it's a really old episode. <laughs> Uh, da, da, da. yeah, Downtown Has Fruits is the very first episode. Jeez, <laughs> way to go! My memory from 1996. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you ask me anything that happened last week, I'll be like, fucking, well, <laughs> but yes. Uh, da, da, da. in the end, after their whole shopping montage, where they also still, like I said, buy way more stuff than $300 would buy you anywhere ever, they end up only needing one gift on the list, which is, of course, a, also a pair of Nancy Spumoni signature snow boots. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> if I didn't already kind of spoil this episode, how it ends, get your three guesses in of how this concludes, folks, <laughs> if you haven't seen this yet. <laughs> 
But yes, we come back over to Helga, where she once again thinks she's found the perfect video game, which or perfect gift of a video game, which I forget the title that they say. It's like some like very generic long title of like Super Monster Murder 4000 or whatever the fuck. But I happen to know that's more than that, that there's such a big sign in the background advertising a game called Cyberpunk with a big robot on it. So I hope the 90s oh, well. version of that game doesn't have as nearly as many bugs as the 2021. <laughs> 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 it's it's very funny that I saw that. It's like, wait, that's just, that's, that, it's not even like a Cyberpunk robot. It's just a robot. <laughs> oh, that's just so weird. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they just wrote whatever they wanted to there and just like, I guess this is Cyberpunk. It's a robot. Eh, close enough. <laughs> But yeah, just as Helga finishes applying herself for her choice of gift and everything, Arnold and Gerald happen to be right there lo looking for the boots because it's a department store. And they bump into her and just, yeah, I was about to say they say hello, but it's like, no, Arnold says hello. Daryl doesn't really talk to her. <laughs> well, not much. Like, not, in, not in any, like, nice way, really. Uh, but yeah, basically they're like, hey, what are you buying? And she, like, shows them the game and... Gerald honestly is really not impressed with this because he's just basically describing it and it sounds like it's like one of those like shitty like five hour long AAA games that just focus more on the graphics than anything else. Because he basically <laughs> just calls it like a really flashy game of no significance as a present to somebody. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it's very funny. Like, it, again, Helga is merely put off once more of just being like, fuck. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, but Gerald's like, but yeah, no offense, Elga. <laughs> enjoy your enjoy your video game gift to yourself, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, and they take off just because they have a lot of stuff to do, still trying to find these boots. And but on their way out, Arnold accidentally drops the list, which Helga picks up and realizes that Arnold's also looking for a pair of the boots and decides to like, for some reason, just decides to follow them for the rest of this. I guess to find out why exactly Arnold wants a pair of boots that are marketed more towards women. I guess. <laughs> Because she's entirely too nosy. Yeah, I mean, that's really the reason why. <laughs> but yeah, she follows them for a bit and sees them get laughed at by the staff of, like, the shoe department because it's impossible to find the boots. Like, they straight up say, we can put you on the waiting list for, like, the 4th of July. But th yeah, these guys are just fully laughing at these children. So these guys also fucking suck. <laughs> like, these guys would lose their job, absolutely, <laughs> for laughing yeah. at a child. <laughs> yes. But yeah, basically after that, they start going to a bunch of different, like, shoe stores around the city, trying to find a pair of the boots anywhere, as Helga mostly just continues to follow them, because she's still nosy, I guess, because she also hasn't figured out exactly why they're looking for the boots. And <laughs> they just continue to get repeatedly left at even more staff members, no matter where they go, so all these people suck. <laughs> hey. So so, ma so many retail- and to be fair, these people are working retail on Christmas Eve, it sucks, but, like, they're still laughing at literal children. <laughs> <laughs> like that's bad <laughs> yeah i don't know what's up with that yeah i've had to work retail on christmas eve i didn't laugh at children <laughs> yeah no you're admittedly none of them came in without parents looking for a very inexpensive item but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like at that point you're just like i'm so fucking tired i just want to go home jesus christ please let the day end you're not having the energy to laugh at children <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that goes on for like basically just the rest of the day until it's almost 6 o'clock, which is when the uh, government building closes. And the two of them are just forced to conclude that there's not a single pair of the boots anywhere in the city to purchase at all, and that they just simply have to return to Mr. Bailey and hope for the best. But of course, because we established this guy sucks, he's pissed that they failed to get everything on the list, and that his wife told him to absolutely get those boots for their daughter. And he, of course, goes ahead and says that the deal is off because they didn't get everything. So, again, this guy super sucks. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. He monster, never, honestly. To my, to my recollection, this guy never shows up in any other episode in Good Riddance. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. 
But while they walk out of the building talking, Arnold just talks about how he blew it all after all that. And, like, he basically just thanks Gerald for being, like, a true friend and sticking with him this entire time. But in their conversation, like, Helga's basically just spying on them from behind a tree right next to them. And that's how she <laughs> finds out that the reason why Arnold needed the boats was to get Mr. Bailey to look for Mr. Wynn's daughter for them. Just because of, like, being able to re reconcile them for Christmas and all. And Helga, to her credit, does also get depressed like they are about this. Because she's like, aww. <laughs> this this <laughs> weird football-headed kid is just trying to do something nice for somebody for Christmas. And he went and drove himself insane all day. <laughs> but yeah. So Arnold and Gerald go get on the bus as Helga also heads home all bummed out. And she gets there only to find her parents and her older sister, Olga, are singing carols and also drunk off their asses. <laughs> like, they are drinking what definitely looks like eggnog, and they're acting pretty drunk. To be fair, her mom, Miriam, is always drunk. She is not a good mom in the show whatsoever. She sucks all the time. Oh, dear. Like, yeah, she, she's... She's really been, like, like to my recollection in a lot of these episodes, she is a pretty, like, vacant and distant mom and just basically, like, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of scenes where they just show her with a full wine glass <laughs> at times. Oh, love that. Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, hey, to be fair, she's married to Bib Bob Pataki, who also super sucks. He's like <laughs> he's like a beeper conglomerate who basically just tries to, like, do a bunch of, like, shitty, like, rich guy stuff of, like, trying to, like mow down parts of the neighborhood to make more beeper stores so maybe she's just depressed at that because she's married to a monster <laughs> i don't know there's there's a few times in the in the series where they actually like have like helga talk to her more and try to like get her to not be as much of a distant mom but i don't think it really sticks overall unfortunately <laughs> but yeah but in a rare moment of clarity, uh, Miriam does see that Helga is pretty bummed out and all, and decides to give her one of her presents early, which, of course, is a pair of the boots. Because, of course, it is. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking insane here, though. Miriam says she stood in line for 18 hours to get these boots. So what the fuck? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she stood- I forgot that part. She says she stood in line for 18 hours to get them. It must be, like, the last pair in all the city that was actually still on sale. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, but yeah, Helga's stoked, and she runs out of the house with the mom to try them out in the snow. And, of course, while she's, like, just dancing around and, like, having a bit of, like, euphoria moment, the list falls out of her pocket, and she looks down and sees it and is like, Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she straight up says, Not another moral dilemma. <laughs> So it's like it's I've a rare. There've been a lot of those for her. Yeah, uh, yeah. That again, Helga usually sucks in the show. There are definitely moments where she doesn't act as much of an asshole, and this is like mm -hmm. one of them, especially because like she has like a rare moment of empathy for somebody else for once, which is basically just her being like, "I got what I wanted, but if I get what I want, then Arnold doesn't get what he wants, which is just reuniting a man with his daughter." Who hasn't seen her in ages. Well, she does actually know that they haven't seen her in ages, but like she at least can like at least glean some of that information of like, yeah, it's like fuck. <laughs> I can be happy or a lot of people can be happy. Fuck me. <laughs> uh but yes. But again, is, honestly though, that's a lot of pressure to put on a child. Yeah, because again, I, I know you've referred to her as kind of not a good person, but uh Yeah. It's so much yeah, that's a lot, especially because it's like, kid. yeah, she's nine. She just heard her mom say that she stood in line for 18 hours for these things. <laughs> and it's for her to be like, I could keep them and be happy or I could give them away and make a boy happy <laughs> and also a family reunited. 
So it's like, yeah, it's 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 not an easy choice for her, obviously. <laughs> like honestly, because like, geez, yeah. But like, I mean, to be fair, she does the right thing in the end. Spoiler for the next like two minutes before we get there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, we're almost done though, because Arnold basically is just laying in bed, also bummed out, thinking about like Mr. Wynn handing his daughter over to soldiers and not seeing her for basically two decades. Just having straight up hearing flashbacks of the Vietnam War in a sense, because he's hearing like the planes and stuff that we heard in like the flashback scene that Mr. Wynn was telling. So I don't wow. know how Ar I don't know how Arnold is hearing the same sounds in his head, but like I guess Arnold knows what the Vietnam War is and how fucked it was. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but then we don't get that for long because we cut back over to Helga rushing over to the government building just as Mr. Bailey's exiting and basically just shoves the box with the boots in it to him and tells him to turn the, the lights back on and they have to work together to find my win. But he tries to basically be like, oh no, I'm tired, I'm going home, kid. And then Helga basically just guilts him by saying that he basically ruined Arnold's faith in the world. <laughs> More or Ooh. less says that <laughs> if he didn't stay in hell. <laughs> I mean, wow. she, she, she phrases it more as, like, that little football-headed kid will never believe in miracles again, but it's really, like, you are going to ruin this boy's entire outlook on life, my guy, if you don't help and do this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, r real heavy stuff, in a sense. <laughs> but we got to the next morning at the gift exchange, where Gerald has also come out, over, I guess, just to, like, help tear Arnold up and everything after they failed yesterday. And uh, they see that by the end they figured out that Mr. Wynn is the only one that found a gift. And he tries to say that it's fine, that he doesn't need a present. And he just like goes to stare, sadly stare at the fire because that's what he does during this time of yeah. year. And Arnold oh, that's tries. That's what you do when you have flashbacks. You just yeah. have to sadly stare at the fire. It's pretty, long. pretty, pretty much, yeah. But Arnold tries to like explain by saying like he, he's he trying to start by saying like wait, there's a reason why, but he doesn't really like, fully get there because they're interrupted by there being a ring at the door. And Arnold's grandpa goes to check uh, who that is, as Arnold basically just kind of stares at Mr. Wynn's back, also depressed. He's not looking at the <laughs> fire himself, he's looking at the man looking at the fire. <laughs> yeah. But shortly after that, uh, Arnold's grandpa comes back in with a young woman who calls out to Mr. Wynn and calls him father. And the two, and like he realizes that that's mine, they hug, and after not seeing each other since she was a toddler. And like, you know, even like some of the boarding house tenants are crying, like Ernie Potts is actually tearing up. It's kind of, it's heartwarming. <laughs> but yeah, Mr. Wynn introduces her to everybody as his daughter. And Arnold at that point tells him Merry Christmas, Mr. Wynn. So yeah, Mr. Wynn realizes that that's Arnold's gift to him. And Arnold and Gerald talk to each other, wondering how this happened despite everything, because Mr. Bailey told them no, fuck off. And mm -hmm. we just end with Helga standing out in the board outside the boarding house, still in her socks, because she just ripped the snow boots off and didn't replace her shoes since last <laughs> night, I guess. So she's definitely has like really soggy socks, and her feet might be slightly frostbitten, but she's just standing there and just says happy, like Merry Christmas, Arnold, and the episode ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, a lot of people in the show, especially in the special, really suck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that going in, I was like, wow, all these people, all these adults in this episode really suck. <laughs> like, yeah, in some of the know, kids I suck. mentioned earlier that I had heard of this episode before. Mm -hmm. That talk, like, you talking about it in detail, uh, since I haven't watched the show, I didn't realize how much of a, like, you've referred to Helga several times as just an awful person, and because it's the only episode I know, I kind of thought that that was not the case. So I mean, it's it's, it's fascinating really, to hear your perspective it's, here. It's really more that Helga is very self-centered. 
Like, she, I mean, she, she straight up is mean to, like, Arnold and his friends, mostly because, like, she's trying to mask the fact that she has a crush on him and all. But, like, right. she's still really rude to him. And, like, I mean, she's the one who came up with the football head, <laughs> like, nickname, like, derogatory nickname for Arnold, in a sense. <laughs> and, like, uh, again, like, there's points... Like, typically, like, if, like, it comes to, like, her parents being shitty, she kind of sides with them at first, but then realizes that they're shitty and that she should side with the classmates and stuff. Like, in particular, there's an episode later, like, way later on in the series, which I think is what leads into Arnold finding the journal from his dad, which explains how he met his mom and why they vanished and all, where... Mm-hmm. They're at, like, a parent-child event thing where Arnold's grandparents are standing in for his parents, obviously, just because they raised him. And, like, Big, Big Bob Pataki, or Helga's dad, explicitly says that he's not going to lose to a childless, childless kid and his weird grandparents or something like that. Because, like, oh. Arnold and his grandparents start to win, like, all the, like, the, uh, like, I think the one of them they do is, like, a five-legged race or something, or six-legged race, I guess. Like, something like that. Like, they do a bunch of, like, parent-kid uh, events and stuff. And, like, uh, Bob Pataki starts to lose. And, like, Helga, like, you know, at first she's, like, real competitive leading into that, I believe, from my recollection. But, like, she actually, she actively sabotages him to make him lose so that Arnold can win. So it's, like, again, like, she she typically starts out as a jerk, but then she, like, mellows out a little bit by being, like, oh, actually, no, my dad fucking sucks. This this is bad. I should actually side with the, the kid that I like. No. Okay. That <laughs> yeah. makes sense, then. Yeah, it's it's really just more like she is just mean to Arnold in particular because she's hiding the crush that she has on him, but like she she's also just like very conceited at times. Like there there's one episode where like basically all the other like girl characters in their class have like a sleepover and Phoebe even gets in, uh, invited, and Helga basically like mostly like goes to like a convenience store buys like a like magazine about like preteens like with like uh like makeup and stuff. And, like, kind of crashes the the whole party and everything, dressed up, like, dressed all fancy, thinking that that's why she didn't get invited. And she straight up has, like, a bra filling. <laughs> like, she is nine. Oh, yeah. I remember that, because I think she has, like, a, a bundled up tissues or something. <laughs> Trying to act, like, way more mature, and that's why she should be invited to the sleepover and stuff. But it's, like, yeah, it's, like, she didn't get invited because she's basically just mean to people. Like, she's even mean to Phoebe at times, but I guess Phoebe doesn't have many friends, so she just kind of sticks with her. <laughs> So yeah, like, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. Like, I mean, obviously she's a complicated it character. Sounds and like all. a lot. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, not not a great person, but she does the right thing in the end, typically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you for uh, walking us through that. <laughs> yeah, um... it's like I said, I t- that that whole story of like that Vietnam War flashback is real depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not what you expect to see in a kid's movie in a kid's show because like also like i mean as a kid i remember that scene but i didn't really think much of it and then it's like oh right it's it's the vietnam war it's fucked yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but yeah but like i said aside from the the frank Sinatra and related stuff uh trivia i have two more things here because actually there are two pretty prolific voice actors that i never knew were in this show up until now well, okay. Yeah, because uh, I, I saw the credits, and, like, most of the people in this show, I feel like they're, like, kind of, like, unknown actors, or, like, they don't really do a whole lot overall, because I didn't recognize any of the names except two in particular, because Arnold's grandpa is voiced by Dan Castellaneta. I just realized I don't know how to pronounce the name. Yeah, he's Homer Simpson. <laughs> I'm like, shit, <laughs> really, huh? 
Yeah. Wild. He doesn't. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like I don't think Arnold's grandparents ever get. I think I, I don't think they get names necessarily. Like his grandpa calls his like his his wife Pookie all the time, but I think that's more like a, just a term of endearment. I don't think her name is actually Pookie, but like in the credits, it just says like grandpa and grandma. I don't think they have like actual names. <laughs> Right. Although they might, because at one point Grandpa's sister comes to visit, and I think he, she actually calls him by name, if I'm remembering correctly. I think so. But like, I think early on they were just Grandpa and Grandma. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but the other one is that Big Bob Pataki is voiced by Maurice Lamarche, <laughs> aka like half the characters on Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, sure. I didn't realize that those two actors were in this show because <laughs> they don't. I mean. To be fair, I mean, like, Maurice LaMarche is mostly, like, uh, I think he's, like, the Don bot, and he's Kiff, you know, uh... Yeah. Yeah, like, the second-in-command of, uh, fucking... What's the meathead guy's name? Zap Brannigan, yeah, like, he's usually, like, yeah, like, the characters he plays in Futurama are more just, like, I I guess, like, uh, more, like, gruff in terms of, like, the Don bot and stuff, and, like, more put upon as Kiff, but, like, Big Bob Pataki is just, like, the loudmouth idiot dude kind of guy. (laughs) Like, he's a big muscle head and everything, and he's just like, yeah, I rule. Beepers. <laughs> and then you remember that that guy most likely went out of business and went bankrupt when Beepers stopped being a thing. <laughs> naturally, naturally. Yeah. But yeah, that's all. It's just interesting that I was like, oh, huh, those two very prolific voice actors were in Hey Arnold, and I did not realize that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I mean, I have voice actors for my episode now. I- Maybe I should have done it after my episode, but I wanted to do them at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. I should have consulted with you on that earlier, so yeah, no my bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's possible you may have heard of some of them, because they are pretty prolific voice actors. It's just from older cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one, uh, Les Tremaine, is the voice of Alexander Graham Wolfe. Uh, he is the least prolific of all of them. But the thing is, mostly what he does is live-action shows. Um, I mean, he was in Perry Mason. He was on My Favorite Martian, <laughs> uh, One Man's Family. He was in The Falcon, Abbott Mysteries. Dude has done so much TV because he's like he was born in 1913. So he was one of the actors who was coming up really as TV started to be a real thing. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he kind of managed to get everywhere for a while. But yeah. uh, he only did a couple animated roles. Um, yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of him, I don't think. The next two are probably more likely. Uh, Raggedy Andy is Dawes Butler, who is, frankly, one of the all-time greats of cartoon voices. So <laughs> it's a little ridiculous that he wound up in this show. But uh, yeah, he's he is the original voice. Like, he created the voices for... Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, oh, Snagglepuss, huh? Augie Doggy, Wally Gator, Quick Draw McGraw, wow. <laughs> Elroy Jetson, The Funky Phantom. Like, when, when, when you said his name, I was like, I definitely don't recognize the name, but when, just going through all these like characters, it's like, yeah, okay, I get, I I know who this is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, this is, this is one of the guys. Like I mentioned before, that the short itself is written by um, Chuck... Wow. That name just fell out of my head. Chuck Jones, who again is like, yeah, he's like the like masterwork in the cartoon world. Yeah. So I guess Jones had enough pull with like actual voice actors that he could, <laughs> mm-hmm. because uh, Anne in this short and Comet, they both have the same voice actor, is uh, June Foray, who you may be familiar with as um, 
Rocky the Flying Squirrel, <laughs> uh, Lucifer the Cat from Disney's Cinderella, uh, Cindy Lou Who. Uh, <laughs> oh, like from the original uh, The Grinch animated sort? Yeah, from yeah, gotcha. the cartoon one. Not that, not that from, she's much uh, of a character in that, but yeah, still. <laughs> Granny from the Warner Brothers cartoons with Tweety Bird. Oh, uh, oh okay, yeah. Huh. Magic of Dispel in the original run of the Again, yeah, just absolutely, like, peak voice actresses in this weird little cartoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, really strange that we just so happened to pick two cartoons that had really, like, well-known actors in them. <laughs> like, obviously, yeah, it was not sure. planned. We didn't know what each other was covering beforehand, but it's like, yeah, very yeah. weird coincidence. <laughs> and obviously, I'm not even going through even a percentage of her work, but, yeah. or of any of their work, really, but yeah, that's... There's so much. <laughs> she was Betty Rubble in the original Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, from my recollection, Betty Rubble ever really got to do much of anything. <laughs> yeah, but still, this yeah. is cartoon royalty we're talking about. <laughs> it's like all the she big was names the, that uh, you recognize. The teacher in the Frosty the Short for the Snowman cartoon. <laughs> Oh, the person that has, like, two lines at the very start before they leave uh, school? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, that, that's my thing. I'm sorry. You said you had a second thing to cover. No, no, no. I said that was all I had. My mistake. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I think that pretty much closes it up for us today, because... <laughs> We don't have a transformation counter or an 80s flashback or anything, so... No, we really don't have anything like that. I don't think we even have We could do like a 1915s flashback. I'll research the original Raggedy Ann real quick. (laughs) If if you want. Nah, 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 it's fine. But, yeah, um, just, uh, I guess, thanks for doing this special with me and mm-hmm. frankly for the idea this this was a uh, chloe original and i think it went really well yeah but now this, that we've but... done our episodes uh do you regret having me go first this time <laughs> no not at all <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it was more fun because i was like oh you're gonna be at least somewhat familiar with hey arnold because i know we talked about it at once before i think we talked about it early on of like a, sh- a show to possibly cover but it's like we were like yeah you weren't as into it and also it's not queer so we were like nah that yeah. makes sense but like, yeah, like I know that you were at least somewhat familiar with it. I had no fucking idea what you're gonna do because like I was like I don't know what it could. This is the seventies. I don't know what the fuck it could be. <laughs> but well, also, that's uh, just that's also just how we do the show. It's always you first, then me. So yeah. Well, yeah. I just you know I had this weird goofy story about murdering wolves with plexiglass, and then you had to come <laughs> in with the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> Existential dread about, like, animated childhood toys and then the implications of owning them and also a family separated because of the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are a cheerful bunch over here on us weirdos. <laughs> and again, not planned. Just happened to... Just a happy accident, as Bob Ross would put it. <laughs> We will find out, I think, if we keep doing these and for any significant period of time. But my theory right now is just all holiday specials are inherently awful in some way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
I mean, like, even you think back to, like, the, probably the most famous one, which is, like, the, the Peanuts one, where it's, like, it really just becomes, like, for, like, five or seven minutes there, just, like, Linus telling the story of Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, but it, like, how do I say this? The, the, the Charlie Brown Christmas is just about a bunch of materialistic little kids relentlessly brutalizing mm-hmm. the one of mm-hmm. them that doesn't also want that. a toy yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, fucked up. <laughs> and then having to be told about Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember much of like any of those other... like. Uh, specials that like peanuts did besides like the very infamous thanksgiving one where they also help spread the lie about like the pilgrims and the native americans having a nice uh meal together and definitely mm-hmm. not at all genocide <laughs> yes well that is certainly fair but i would also caution you to remember that these children are five <laughs> this is what they're learning in yeah school. <laughs> to be fair yeah i definitely it's something i never really think of that the peanuts kids are that young because like they don't really act like they're that young i I mean they might actually be a little older i think they're like eight but still hang on i'm I'm looking this up now about how old charlie brown is Uh, Charlie Brown's age is never normally specified nor consistently given. His birthday occurs in the strip published on October 30th, 1950. He is four years old in a strip published on November 3rd, 1950. He ages very slowly in the strip's floating timeline, eventually setting at around eight years old. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Which I I kind of felt like they were close to, like, maybe, like, a little shy of 10, because, like, they definitely, like, kind of go off on their own at times, like, especially when, like, they're, like, playing, like, baseball and stuff. But also, that's true, but it's important, like, in the 1950s, kids just ran around and did whatever. That was normal. Yeah, that was just, that was just the style at the time. But, like, it's also still a case of, like, yeah, they're still, like, young enough, clearly, because, like, there's times where they just do not fucking understand what adults are saying, which is why the adults, for the most part, are always just garbled. And just, like, <laughs> well, I mean, they still respond sometimes, but it's, like, still basically supposed to be a case of, like, yeah, the kid doesn't fully understand what the adults are talking about. <laughs> yeah. But also, the same on voice actors, also. <laughs> also, that show also has a giant cast of characters, and they're all kids, mostly. <laughs> Well, that's fair, but on some level, I think it's like, because there aren't adults in the comic, is the thing. They're they're all off screen. You see the kids responding to them, but they're never yeah. there. So, which is that also is in the cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Too, yeah. It, so I think that's while it is very much a good way to save on voice actors, it's also like a faithful adaptation of the the feeling of the. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, probably I've... not, but who knows? Maybe one of us will choose it next year. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Probably. I don't. Not. I don't think there's as much yeah fun stuff to riff on from like just it being like a piece of the times when that released. Because like, oh god, now I get curious when that even released. Uh, I think early eighties. That that's not right. No, 1965. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm way off. Yeah, I told you on Christmas the 1965 anime TV special. It is the first TV Oofa special. Doofa. Yeah, it's the first TV special based on the comic strip Peanuts. Which is surprising, because I, I could have sworn that like the first special was It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, but I guess not. Well, okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. If I was going to choose a Peanuts one, I would probably choose either I Want a Dog for Christmas, Charlie Brown, or It's Christmas Time Again, Charlie Brown, just because those are the ones people don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I mean, to be fair, I don't even know those two, like, again, because, like, definitely, like, a thing, because I remember having the VHS of the Christmas special, like, the original one, like, but I never yeah. remember <laughs> seeing the other ones at all. Because we discussed this, too, of, like, that's how... That's yeah, we review- sure did. Yeah, because they reveal that's why, like, Rerun has the name Rerun. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, it's just another boy. I guess we'll just call it a Rerun. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Definitely not creating a fucking existential nightmare in this child later on when he finds out the origin of his name. <laughs> I mean, are you aware of three? <laughs> Is there a third Van Pelt son <laughs> that I'm just not finding about? Uh, no, there is a family in the comic strips that are named numbers because the parents refused to give them actual names. So, yeah, this is 555-95472. Oh, that's horrifying. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. I like how I also was searching for this and I just typed number family peanuts and... Five 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 nine five four seven two was actually one of the first results, along with yeah. three and four, who are five younger twin yeah. sisters. Yeah, three is the one I remembered offhand. My mistake. <laughs> uh, last appearance May twenty second, nineteen eighty three. Because I guess even Charles Stoltz realized that's fucking horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised this family didn't stick around. <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe eventually this kid changes his name to V, much like a certain basilisk we know and like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a kid who was doing the side dance thing in the Christmas yeah. special. Okay, I okay, I recognize that at least. I, I always, oh god, I guess I always thought that was like Pigpen or somebody, because like he kind of nah. looks a bit like Pigpen. Pigpen is there, but he's different. <laughs> oh, apparently his sisters are also in that too. Yeah, they're all in the dance sequence. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, background characters in the cartoons, just so they have fill-out kids. Yeah, makes sense. What the fuck are these other specials of, like, he has speaking parts near the end of He's Your Dog, Charlie Brown, and It's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. What the fuck is Flash Beagle? (laughs) Uh, Flash Dance. Uh, Oh, okay, right. I do remember this now. I remember Snoopy being in this pose and doing light dances. Right, okay. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck is Flash Beagle? Is that just like a fake holiday the kids made or something? No. (laughs) God. Should we at some point just do like all the Charlie Brown specials? (laughs) I don't know if that's a good idea. There's a lot of them, I think, right? (laughs) There's so many of them. We might... Take like half a year, probably. (laughs) I think it would take more than that. There's so many of them. And now I need to Google how many Charlie Brown specials. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Was adapted into 46 animated specials since 1965. Most of them released on television. (laughs) Yeah. Weirdly enough, the, the like the Wikipedia article just says Peanuts animated specials, but it doesn't actually have like a list of them. Interesting. Yeah, strange. Uh, oh wait, no, Peanuts filmography. Maybe that gives it. Uh, there's like various movies, obviously, like the 2015 one, which that I think that one was the uh yeah the one that was like the computer animated one that people said was actually good. 
Yeah, Charlie Brown Christmas was the very first one. Oh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown was three. Charlie Brown's All-Stars was number two. I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> uh, baseball. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, just looking down. Uh, <laughs> see, the one the one of these I definitely still distinctly remember besides, obviously, like the ones like It's the Great Pumpkin, and the, th- the Bad Thanksgiving one, and the... Uh, the first Christmas one is the one that's like a longer movie of Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown. Oh, I don't yeah. Know if you know the, that uh, one. Summer camp one. Yeah. The one where they definitely deal with a kid, bunch of kids that fucking cheat their asses off and nobody at the camp does anything about it, even though they have a fucking motorized. <laughs> they have a fucking stupid, like, fucking motorized bo- like boat when all these kids have to put together, like, tires and shit to try to do the race. And also, it's like a two week long race where the kids are left to their own devices and hopefully they have enough provisions to not die in the woods. <laughs> Maybe we should do that one only at some point because I remember watching that one a lot and liking it as a kid and it's fucked up. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of them are. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's that whole fucking sequence when Woodstock gets separated by Snoopy and he's like stuck in a thunderstorm and he's just shivering with like fear and the cold and all and it's horrifying. <laughs> Also, the kids almost die like five times in that movie. They are definitely they are definitely led astray into a different part of the river that's having active construction and blasting done, and like because the the shitty kids like changed up the sign of like go here because this other way is where the the blasting zone is, and then they definitely get caught in the crossfire with a bunch of rocks falling down around them. Okay, well, yeah, horrifying. I don't know if we're going to do any of these, but <laughs> if we do, I want to put my vote behind this one, just because it mm-hmm. seems the absolute weirdest one. <laughs> <laughs> hang, hang on. It's so weird that you linked that when I actually had just got into where that is in the filmography wiki. I need to see this one, because for, for the viewers at home... The one that, <laughs> that nobody just linked to is It's the Girl in the Red Truck, Charlie Brown, where the poster is just Spike as his normal animated self, superimposed over a very live-action girl, like, woman, who's also, I guess, photoshopped in front of a red truck. <laughs> yeah, see, the thing about this one is that it's like a... Oh, it's hybrid. Like a, yeah, it's a hybrid. A Roger Rabbit-style hybrid cartoon. Yeah. And Charlie Brown and Snoopy are barely in it. It's mostly just Spike and a bunch of actual adults. <laughs> the, spin-off, the spin-off focuses on Spike's unrequited love for young women. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the special has been released on home video only once, that being a VHS release from Paramount Home Media Distribution on January 9th, 1996. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry, we need to do one more research here. I need to see if this is on the site I use. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, okay, I see, I'm seeing a lot of them. If it's Christmas time again, Charlie Brown, it's Flash Beagle. Uh, I don't think it's the girl in the red truck. It's all is on here. <laughs> How would we watch this thing? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Protection of the film took four years and cost millions of dollars. <laughs> Not how much. I'm sure it was worth it. <laughs> A serious uh. film buff who watched both foreign and art films, Schultz commented, I wanted this to be my Citizen Kane, but it's not. <laughs> the entire plot summary is... Hang on. Uh, one, two... Three, four, 
five cents to the line. Spike waves to a young woman driving an old red Chevrolet pickup truck in the desert of Needles, California every day. It's the highlight of his day. I mean, did you seriously, did you seriously hmm? find? Oh, yeah, how do you keep finding these things uploaded on YouTube? Does nobody give a fuck about this? I would, I would think, I would, whatever company runs peanuts at this point, I think I feel like would give a shit and make sure this stuff is not <laughs> on YouTube. I mean, clearly not that much. <laughs> I guess. I mean, this one was only ever released once in home media, so I guess they don't give a fuck. Because <laughs> even Charles Saltz was like, "Yeah, this thing sucks." <laughs> For the record, when you said what Christmas episode you were talking about, I did go and watch it on Daily Motion. <laughs> <laughs> so either I'm very good at crime or nobody cares about. <laughs> Probably the latter. Although, I mean, to be fair, also the former, as you admitted. <laughs> Although you weren't good enough to actually make a bond that worked. <laughs> yeah, see, no problem. Yeah. God, um, they would they would really would just make any special about anything. I'm looking at you're in the Super Bowl, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Charlie Brown is too young to be in the it, Super Bowl. It's the Pied Piper, Charlie Brown. Does does it does it Pied Piper take Charlie Brown's friends into a lake and drown them? Uh, well, this uh, this preview shows Snoopy dressed up as Pied Piper. Uh, oh no, it was it was uh originally released exclusively in VHS and DVD formats in September 2020. Seven or seven uh, September. 20, 2000, I don't know why I was trying to say 20-something if it's just 2000. <laughs> Seven months after Schultz's death. Oh. Uh, oh, it looks like it's just like he tells the story, and I guess it's just that Snoopy plays the Pied Piper in the story, as Charlie Brown tells it to his sister. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the two actually children it's, then it's, hear music coming from the yard. They look out the window and see Snoopy in the Pied Piper uniform playing the concertina while a bewitched Lucy, Linus, Franklin, and Peppermint Patty dance around his doghouse. <laughs> the the 49th and most recent Peanuts special was released in August of this year. Yeah, that tracks. And they had released two others this year, too. Snoopy presents us the small things Charlie Brown and Snoopy presents to mom and dad with love. <laughs> I guess that's one with Snoopy sending cards to his parents and he doesn't know who his dad is because it says and dad in parentheses. Because <laughs> like, yeah. Snoopy explicitly knows who his mom is, but I guess not his dad. Yeah, well, these would have been after um, Apple got the copyright. On, yeah, yeah, because so they showed they're on like, they, Apple They got to make new shows to keep it running, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, hang on. I'm looking up this real quick. Mother's Day is approaching and Peppermint Patty is reminded that she was not brought up by her mother. <laughs> Jesus Interesting. Christ. <laughs> Snoopy and Woodstock set off on a quest to find Woodstock's mother. Linus and Lucy set to make out and make the perfect Mother's Day gift, and Charlie Brown's attempt to bake a Mother's Day cake ends in disaster. <laughs> uh, oh, and also, uh, her friend Marcy reminds Piper and Patty that there are many types of families. So yay, good Marcy. Oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Again, oh, like, yeah. Like, speaking of like people interpreting things, a lot of people interpret Marcy as like definitely uh, having an interest in Pepper and Patty romantically, even though again they're well, children. <laughs> okay, yeah, eight. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so I think it's probably a good place for us to uh, <laughs> cut it because <laughs> on that well, very weird tangent of looking up the horrifying filmography of the Peanuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're at two hours forty minutes, and uh, that was two Christmas specials and a bunch of Peanuts esoterica. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> In the future, I hope to branch out from Christmas specials a little and see if we can find, like, other animated holiday specials, but 
that's just by volume much more difficult so yeah like we'll like just I said, have to like, see what we come up with next year <laughs> yeah because i mean like like i said like i know that there's like halloween and like thanksgiving for hey arnold but i feel like i wouldn't want to just do hey arnold repeatedly especially because also yeah. that that thanksgiving episode is real terrifying <laughs> well i mean like i am only aware of one holiday special that has a jewish character in it and she's still celebrating christmas so <laughs> Uh, I know that there's definitely a Jewish episode of the original Rugrats, because there's, there's a Christmas and they did a Jewish one, because I think, like, I'm pretty sure Tommy's family is Christian on his dad's side and Jewish on his mom's side, because I'm pretty sure it's his grandparents who are, like, uh, Dee Dee's parents who are Jewish. That would make sense. Yeah. I think there's also, yeah, there's also a, a Rocco's My Own Life Thanksgiving episode. Where, uh, they distinctly also, like, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, a bunch of people in town have a fucking axe and want to actually chop off a turkey's head as, like, uh, Rocco and Heifer are like, I can't believe you're doing this! <laughs> Why is that such a problem? They eat turkeys every Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, th I think it's because, like, Rocco finds out where turkey comes from and that they're actually creatures, I don't know. Uh, All actually, right. hang on, I gotta see this now. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, that's, uh... I think that'll do it for us for this holiday, but, you know, who knows what we bring next year. And I hope, uh, whatever your holidays are, that they are enjoyable and uh, a break from everything else, if nothing else. <sighs> yep, and if, if you don't necessarily care about the holiday season at all, uh, hopefully you just have a very not stressful time. And you're not, yeah, enjoy your days off of work that you don't have to do anything. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, with mine, I don't get paid on those days off, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Contract employee! Yay! Yeah, so I guess uh, for now, there's not much left to say, but uh, remember, us weirdos have to, have to stick, stick together. together. Bye! Bye. <laughs>